So what have you been up to? I have really been focusing on just personal growth. I feel like since we talked last time, started the podcast with Gemini, I've really been focusing on TikTok and just trying to grow my website so that when these social media platforms change things around, that I'm not losing the people who actually care. What about you? Well, we're not, uh, we're not to talk to you. Working, we've never talked, so thanks for having me on. Yeah. I listened to the episode that you guys did with Paige before and loved it, so it was super aligned to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you guys, too. Um, I've been rebranding my stuff. Uh, I'm never in community guidelines ever, and so TikTok's always throwing me off, and so recently got banned and decided to just start building on other platforms and just kind of rebrand what I was doing instead of going back with the same energy. So been working on that and getting uh, new clients and readings and taking some classes and just elevating the vibes. So when you got banned from TikTok the most recent time, uh, how many followers did you have? 48,000. That's a lot of freaking people you just lost. Well, thankfully, I got the account back. So it, uh, I got reported on two videos and it's always the videos that get taken down that I'm like, out of all my stuff, that's what you got upset about. Um, but I was thankfully able to get that page back, but it just kind of motivated me to start a backup and start doing different content. And I think that as creators or people who use our voices, we can tend to get like into a box and let other people give us limitations on what we can do. And so I just decided to use the opportunity as a way to show different parts of my personality. I'm a Gemini, so I have lots of the personalities to show. That's crazy that they ban people for like, I don't know what you, what they considered uh, offensive, but like there's like porn on TikTok, you know, I ate a pear with chamoy and it got taken down for sexual acts with a minor. What? So the bot, I mean, my page banned. the algorithm thought that was like a kid or something. I, I have, yeah, it said sexual acts of the minor. I even appealed it. So they watched it again and they're like, no, we're just going to keep this. So when you appeal it, um, it, it, a human has to view it. Is that how it happens? Cause it's a bot that's doing the termination or not the banning. Right. I think that it is a bot that usually goes in and says that this is deemed inappropriate and then a human is supposed to review it. But I'm pretty sure that it's just all bots in China now that are looking at our stuff. So what was your page before you started rebranding? Or your um, content? So my, I guess I, I talk a lot about like religious trauma and... Um, I call out a lot of hypocrisies and like organized religion with the way that people treat other people in spiritual communities or just people in general. And I think that I, I used to come at it from a different energy than I do now. And so I, it's older videos that are now, or that got flagged. And so I think that I just came at things with like a harsher tone than I needed to, because I didn't know how to, represent myself in a different way where you can have a backbone to things without having to be an asshole about it, you know? Yeah. 
I think she talks about a lot of like taboo topics with spirituality and organized religion. And there is a lot of clicks on TikTok. Luckily, I have steered clear from every click that is on there. But there's a lot of people on there that want to literally build their platform from bashing and taking other people down and, you know, stitching or duetting their information and either like trying to debunk it or just talk shit about it. So I feel like TikTok now, in comparison to two years ago, there's so many more users on the app that they're redefining the algorithm. They're redefining whatever box they want to put you in. And she kind of got onto like the religious talk or like the witch talk. And a lot of that is like super clickish. And a lot of drama is, is on that side of TikTok. Hmm. So what do y'all think about like Rumbler? Or is it Rumble? I think it's called Rumble, actually. What is that? It's another, it's kind of like a is. YouTube. Uh, it's like, I think it's like uh, more of a free form where there's less censorship. Because a lot of people are getting booted hear. from um, YouTube because of like strikes and stuff they deem inappropriate. So a lot of people have jumped over to Rumble. I have heard about it. Um, a girl that I know recommended to check out some of the content on there. And I feel like anytime that you can catch the beginning wave of a platform, you're going to do good. I think that's what helped me with TikTok, because if I tried to hop on the platform now with its new algorithm and new rules and all that, I don't feel like I would have gotten as far. You know, I have like 1.8 million likes, which to me always <laughs> motivates me because I'm like, if every person gave me a dollar, I would have 1.8 million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's crazy because you know, on Facebook and Instagram, they suppress our content so much. And anytime you're promoting something that's going to take the user off of Instagram, they just suppress it, whether that's a podcast or a website or (laughs) anything that's off Instagram, they are going to suppress it every time now. Yeah. I don't know what rumble is, but, um, I've really been utilizing Patreon more for content that I feel like Um, is going to have any kind of backlash or is something that I know is going to be a topic that's against guidelines. I just throw that onto Patreon now because those people literally pay to see that and be a part of that community. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, all these apps that don't have any of these requirements now and aren't being monitored, they're going to in the future. And so it's just like you're building yourself up to go through the exact same wave and i don't want to keep on doing the same thing and hoping it's different so do you subscribe to the whole thing where you want to start like an email list or you have your own outlet besides patreon (laughs) not right now maybe in the future i would do something like that but for right now i'm comfortable with building up the patreon and then seeing how that goes from there The cool thing that we're both doing on Patreon that's different than other platforms is they're paying a premium price. Like for both of us, we have a $50 tier. And when someone pays that $50, they get access to all of our content, but they also get personal readings and personal information for their own journey. So the people that want to do the work, it's very important to stay consistent, like getting a reading in January and then getting a reading in October, but you haven't done any follow-up in between, you're not going to be as far as long as you would be if you just stayed consistent. So I have a lot of clients um, that do the monthly spots and they're loving it because they get that constant feedback. They're asking questions. They have access to us and they're able to follow along 
with the tools and, you know, the tricks that we're giving them and then get feedback on each step of that journey. Mm-hmm. So I care less about views and likes, and I care more about people who want to do the work because there's so many people that like and view my content, but are never actually going to do the inner work they need to do. <laughs> I see him looking over. Okay. Yeah. So how long ago was the one we did the one with you? Page. I think it was in February or March of this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I was thinking it was like last year or something like that. So here we are, almost October. So that's what five, six months. I haven't done any of the work. <laughs> we sure honest about it, though. Let's just cut to the chase because you know he's just ready. He's just ready over here. I don't remember what my reading was. I should have listened to the episode. Like high praise because you're a Capricorn and that you're a go getter. And yeah, that, it was about taking action yeah. and not spending your free time dwelling or comparing and contrasting your success to other people around you. But it was about diving into your own experience and and quit comparing your journey to everyone else's. But well, just doing. Sorry, you sorry. Do. Yeah, I've done that. What have you done? I've quit comparing myself to others. I'm better than y'all. I don't have to. <laughs> no, I just see. I'm just kidding. I'm just seething. Um, but yeah, I really don't like, I really don't get caught up on like, oh, that guy won this. I didn't before. Like I would, I would have like, oh, I fucking suck. I, man, I would, what did I do wrong? I would think about it forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but now I'm just like, okay, just on to the next one and just do better. I feel like you two network with some really interesting people. Like whenever I see your episodes pop up and some of these people you bring on, I'm just like, they have the most random guest. And I love that because it's like this full spectrum, whether it's like an artist or a chef or some bodybuilder or like whatever. And I love the people that you bring on. Their journeys are just so contrasting and just very different. Yeah, I think that's what really makes the uh, the podcast what it is is because... You never know what you're going to listen to next, you know. I could have like a ballerina or something planned or I could have like a circus actor planned or whatever, you know. You just never know what we're going to what's going to come out. Well, I just think everybody has a story to tell. And it's like if you limit yourself to a certain pocket of people just for conversations, you're going to have a circle because it's going to be the same conversation over and over and over again. You're not going to learn anything new. Because that's what I love about this is like you never realize how much you don't know until you talk to somebody that knows something about a lot about something. That's so true. I bet you if you listen back to that reading that you got that you think that you haven't really applied anything to from that, I bet you there's been a lot of growth moments that you've had through finding different mindsets of the different kinds of people that you do have on the podcast and stuff like that. I bet you you've pulled a whole bunch of different things out and those people have all come into your orbit for different lessons and you just haven't even realized it since that reading. Yeah, because when I talk to the like when I'm booking guests and stuff like that, I'm talking to them on whether whatever platform it's on, and uh, you know I'm talking. To, and some people are like, "Well, I need the questions you're going to ask, or I need, I need, I need to know exactly the order of." Th-. I was like, "We're just going to have a conversation. Like, there's no, if there's something you don't want to talk about, then we won't talk about that. Just tell me, and, we, and I'll make sure that we don't bring that up." But you know, there's not going to be, hey, this is the question list. Um, know these answers. And I kind of enjoy, I, I prefer when those just kind of fizzle out <clears throat> because 
there, there's no, there's no set, there's no reason for that. You know, like, dude, I just want to know how you got to where you are in life, what your, you know, how you, where you're from, how you, how you grew, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what we want to know, not the answer to question A, you know, or whatever it is, or number one, or whatever. I think we're in a society too where people aren't comfortable talking about themselves though. So when they're going to come onto a podcast or something, they're not comfortable with talking about things that they're working on or journeys that they've been on because people always underestimate all of the things that they've had to go through in order to be where they are. And they second guess, like, why would anybody even want to talk to me? But they could have some like mind blowing experience or point of view that like shifts somebody's reality, you know? Yeah, it's like when we some some of the guests that come on, they always say, "Man, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I I don't really want to do it because, like, you know, I really don't like talking that much and stuff." I'm like, "Dude, I promise you, if I was if able to get gotten better over time, not great. I'm not your level yet, Tony, but like, yet is the key word. Like, you know, I'm telling you, just you just come and talk, man, and then I promise you, as we're going along, you it'll you, your nervousness will just go away naturally." I always notice that with guests in the beginning of an interview, we all kind of are stumbling over each other, trying to talk and trying to figure out the flow. And then by the end of the interview, people are like, I didn't want it to end. But in the beginning, you could feel the reluctant energy that they were like stumbling. We're over talking each other. So I love that part of the journey is like connecting people to the frequency of sharing and expressing themselves. Because a lot of people just keep everything bottled up. They're just completely in their own bubble. And I do think that right now we're in this age of information where we're being exposed to a lot of information and you have to be discerning on what you want to actually consume. Yeah. Cause uh, some, some of the people are like, well, you know, tell me about your podcast. And I, and I explain it to them and then they're like, okay, well, let me, let me send this to my, my, you know, it's usually some, like, if it's like a high level person, then I'm usually talking to like their assistant or something. And then it's like, they were like, oh, let me talk to the guy and or lady and I'll get back to you. And they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, they love to do it. They listened to an episode and they thought it was great. They don't ever say like which episode or whatever, you know, because I send them links up to the app on Spotify and iTunes also. And uh, they're like, yeah, we would love to come and do that. That, that sounds great. So when, when, when do you want to do it? And like, we're, we're available. They'll be like, we're available uh, tomorrow if you want. I'm like, actually, no, we can't do it tomorrow. But like, so then I, you know, we schedule them out and stuff like that. Well, I think it's one it's of those always things my where, favorite when somebody's like, we can talk tomorrow. And you're like, actually, we can't. I'm booked. <laughs> no, like I wish I wish I this. I wish the podcast was my job, like nine to five. You know, I wish like we could come in and we could do this every single or, you know, like eventually be like a Joe Rogan. Like we do like four episodes a week or where, is it three or four? I don't know. You don't know. Like, you know, and where it gets so easy that we have people reaching out to us that want to do the our, our podcast, you know? Like that, I would love for this to be my job, but like right now it's just not because it's not. We're all manifesting that we do our <laughs> podcast full time. And I think that's, what's really cool about podcasts is if you build that following and you have that interaction with your guests and your fans and your listeners, that there is longevity to it. Like, you know, it's kind of like people put a lot of energy into a movie and then it has its time, right? Some movies become classics, but not most of them. But with a podcast or a frequency of like, this is my personality, this is me, this is who I am, people attach to that. And I think that's so important to have those people who inspire you. And I remember um, when I first found your podcast through Little White, 
I was just so excited that you reached out to me. I was just like, wow, I feel like a whole celebrity right now. Like, this is really cool. Like, and and it felt really good. So I do know that there is that initial, like, what am I going to talk about? But people love it. Like, they love the fact that, you know, we're reaching out to them, wanting them on our platform. And I think that so many people will open new doors because of the podcast interviews that they're doing. Yeah, I have this one guest I'm trying to book right now, and he's like, man, I'm I'm almost 85 years old. I might not be alive when you give me that time. I'm like, well, if something else opens up sooner, I promise you, if I have like a cancellation or something, I will definitely get you in, man. And he's like, all right. Is it Morgan Freeman? <laughs> I wish. That'd be awesome. Okay, y'all can answer this. Has Morgan Freeman ever looked different than what he currently looks like in your lifetime since y'all are much younger than us? No. <laughs> that's the voice of god right there that doesn't change yeah like i remember morgan freeman being old when i was like 10 that's when i think i first um i forget the movie uh, robin hood prince of thieves with kevin costner and morgan freeman and that's the first time i think i've seen him and like okay, okay cool and then 30 years later he looks the same but with just a little beard now you know like a white beard it's like that with steve martin too steve martin's just always looked exactly the same yeah, now Paul Rudd also looks the same. They say like he's a vampire also. I think that we live in a very strange matrix and there are a lot of things about this world that make no sense to me. And I think even for myself, like since I've turned 30, I've had more people card me or ask me if I'm 24. I don't know why 24 is the age, but everybody thinks I'm 24 and I'm just like, not 24 like i don't know why you all keep saying that i'm cool with it but it's just funny that like the older i've gotten people keep now like 20 year olds and 21 year olds want to date me and i'm like i am a cougar for thinking that you're (laughs) You're not there yet i think cougar is what 50 or is it or is it just an older lady dating a young guy is that i think it's an older lady dating a young guy well nine uh, yeah they're 21 nine years isn't that made that big i don't think is it over 50 like a MILF, but you're a cougar? Maybe not. Maybe MILF's just being hot and old. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think or MILF could be anything. Yeah, just anybody that has a kid or mom age. Speaking of you talking about 24, that was fucking uh, wild because my brother-in-law, uh, like last month or something. So when I had my birthday, so it was in May, he was like, oh, how old? It's like you're 25th or something. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. So he gets into this big thing where basically he thought that my husband started dating me when I was in high school, which makes no sense. And that our whole marriage, he thought that my husband had been like some predator that had gotten me as a small child. And so he he thought legit that I was turning 25 and that I was 24. Wow. Hmm. So how did y'all, how, what made y'all decide to start y'all's podcast? Tell us the name and stuff. So we met through Bunny's podcast, which I mentioned last time. She found me through Bunny. She got a reading. Um, She said during the reading, she didn't think that I liked her because I just basically just channeled the whole time. and wasn't like in my readings, I go into like a trance. So when it's video, I'm not interacting with you. I'm interacting with your spirit guides, your angels. Like I have so much to say to you. I don't have time for that middle conversation and so she said she thought that I didn't like her because I wasn't I wasn't talking to her I was just channeling for her 
Well, then I guess like what, six months went by and you reached back out about being on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And then um, she told me that she had been manifesting that I would come on to her podcast, that she made a list of guests and I was number one. And I felt like a whole celebrity. I was like, wow, like someone's manifesting me on their podcast. So I was like one of your first episodes, right? Yeah, I think you were like episode three or something. Yeah. So then I went on to her podcast and we really vibed and people were giving us really great feedback. And then, um, I, I don't know, I guess we just kind of started texting. Yeah. We just kind of started, well, cause you were on and I was telling you all the feedback that people were doing like months and months later. And so, um, we just started becoming friends and we did some Patreon stuff together for our pages. And then you're like, you know what? We need to make our voices a thing. What do you think about doing a podcast together? And then it just escalated from there. And we also would talk on FaceTime like three or four nights a week for like over an hour. And it's almost exactly the episode that we, we post. So it was like, if we can do this and we're you know, she lives in Idaho and I live in Kentucky. We've never met in person. So I was like, if I can have this energy and frequency with someone that I don't even personally know, like in real life, I feel like there's something here. And I'd always wanted to do like a podcast. I went to school for communications, like communicating is a big part of my life. And I felt like there was only so much people were seeing of me. They were just getting like the readings and the gift portions for my lives and my live events. So I was like, it'd be really cool to be able to like express some of these, you know, taboo topics or these darker emotions or these things that I feel that I don't have anyone to share it with. And then, um, you know, the thing about a podcast that's intimidating is there's a lot of avenues and things you got to do. And I'm really good at like marketing for an audience. And she's really good at like editing behind the scenes for the audience. And so it was like, wow, let's put our skills together. I don't have to worry about the technical aspect because you're good at that. You don't have to worry about the marketing aspect because I'm good at that. And then we just kind of bridged the gap and then started a podcast. What's the name of it? Lick it like a lollipop. lollipop. How'd y'all come up with that name? Honestly, we were just texting one day and that came to me and she was like, I love it. Like we were, we were brainstorming and then we were talking like, you know, life is a different experience for everyone. Like it could be sweet. It could be sour. It could be spicy. Like people can see different things and different perspectives and we're never getting the same experience. So we wanted to bridge our energies together because, you know, we don't agree on everything, but we do have a similar way of operating in our life and in our business, but it doesn't mean that like we agree on everything. And so we wanted to bring a positive elevation platform where it's like, you don't have to agree for that to be your truth. Like it's okay to be different. It's okay to stand out. And I feel like we wanted something kind of like call her daddy where it's like sexual innuendo and you don't really know what they're about to be talking about, but you want to go check it out. And then of course there's that song by Lil Wayne um, called Lollipop. The guy who produced that song and was featured in that song was actually from Louisville, Kentucky, static major. He's dead now. But there was like all these like connections that are now starting to really play out. And when you search Lollipop, the Little Wayne song comes up, but our podcast is also directly under it. Oh, so I'm legit. like, what better promo would it be for our podcast to be linked with a fucking Little Wayne iconic song? Yeah, that's that's legit. So what was your podcast originally about? Or do you still have your original podcast? Oh, we still, still have, have- Oh, yeah. she had 
one. Yeah, I still have my original podcast. So I do that and I do that one solo. And then we have the one that we do together. And so what's your podcast about? Uh, So my podcast is called Coven of Rejects, and it's a a spirituality podcast. So I talk with people who come from non-org, who now practice non-organized spirituality. Like I've had shamans, mediums. I've had Paige on. She's talked about um, like psychic intuitive, intuitiveness and then um, like mediumship and stuff like that. I've had different kinds of witches and things on. Um, my thing is, I think that a lot of people come from super stagnant, uh, religious backgrounds and they're really nervous about getting out of that. And so I talk with a different person every week, just kind of what their upbringing was and that their what their journey is to do things now so that people who want to connect with like shamans or like alternative spirituality have somebody that they can go to and they get to know people. There are a lot of people who do, um, services and they'll say that they do like shamanic things or rituals and things like that but they go into it with just like weird energy and weird vibrations and it's hard for people to know what kind of stuff to gravitate to and what's like a legitimate thing and what's not so i really want to boost up um people who have like educated themselves and are really out here doing like incredible things and healing people with energy and stuff and like helping connect people to that Mm. Yeah, because I would imagine there's a lot of people that are ignorant to a lot of things and they just assume that something that is different than what they know is bad or what they've accustomed to learning like growing up. So like if you hear like witch, you automatically think something like bad negative, negative connotation yeah. to it. And exactly. a lot of people and I think that, Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I think that a lot of education that people get is from like Hollywood or just from, you know, people are learning a lot of things online and none of it's actually like factual. So is there like a legit book that y'all have or is it, you know, like there's a Bible obviously, but is there a certain practice that y'all have or is it just kind of just in different sections? They're all different. So there's not just like one book or anything. They're all different just in like witchcraft in general. They're all different ways that people practice and things that people do. Um, Some people come into witchcraft being like very skilled at making like herbal medicines and using their energy in that way. Some people um, go into it and they're good at they would be considered a witch, but they have more like psychic abilities or mediumship abilities, which is like for me. And so that's, what's cool about the podcast is you hear from all of these different people who practice witchcraft in all of these different ways and educate on all the different avenues that you could choose from. So there's things like called like a green witch, which would be someone who's working with like nature and herbs or like a fire witch, which they work with like fire and and candle magic But then, you know, there's also like a tech witch, which is like someone who exclusively teaches through the internet. I feel like I consider myself a tech witch at times because I do so much online, but there's all these different ways, like a chaos witch. I mean, you would probably know more of the labels. There's like hundreds of labels. And for me, I feel like I'm an intuitive witch. Like I just do whatever works for me. I do not follow your book. I do not want your recipe. I do not care what you do. I'm doing it the way I want to do it. And so I don't feel like I ever do anything by book. I'm not a real big like book person to begin with because I feel like everything is based subjectively on someone's opinion and their own experience. And although I can honor that or see um, 
validity in that, I don't always resonate with it. So I just, I don't label myself like pagan or any of those because pagan really is a religious um, construct. I consider myself to be a spiritualist and spiritualist um, and spiritualism in general encompasses all religion. Like I can find fact in, you know, all different religions because honestly the ancient texts were literally all speaking about the same thing like winged gods and dragons and all these things that were actually a part of collective experience i believe in the collective consciousness so i believe that as a society and as we evolve collectively our beliefs are going to intertwine and and evolve as well so how did you both get your calling I went through a rock bottom like drug addiction with just like pills and coke and partying. And for so long, I just like numbed away all of my emotions and feelings until one day um, in 2018, the hammer came flying down by the universe and was like, here's your spiritual awakening. You're going to feel really crazy. You're either going to A, get it under control or B, you may check yourself in somewhere or even see you might kill yourself. We don't know, but we need you to figure it out because I was like that low and without the drugs and alcohol to amplify those feelings of like euphoria or sex. I mean, honestly, a lot of the things I did was like self-sabotage because I was running from myself. So I feel like really diving into my spirituality um, and just questioning everything that I believed or everything that I felt to be true really helped me break away from the mold. But I feel like I absolutely hit rock bottom. I never like went to rehab or, or checked myself in anywhere, but there was a point that I like disappeared for like three days and they filed a missing report on me. Um, I didn't have a phone. Like I just went MIA for like three days and I ended up having to go do a wellness check at like the county clerk with the fucking sheriff. And he was like, she looks fine to me, but I wasn't fine. I was not fine. And spirituality just saved me, honestly. And I was just in such a dark place and I was so distracted that when I look back on those pictures from like five years ago, I look sick. Like you can tell from my aura, from my face, from my energy, like I look sick and you can just see it. So spirituality just gave me community. It gave me um, inspiration. It helped me find parts of myself that had been lost or hidden or like numbed away. And then it led me to mentors to communities that inspired me and I was able to like pull myself out of the shadows. So was your like substance abuse, was it from dealing with some type of trauma from the past? Honestly, um, I am from Kentucky and, you know, all the bourbon in the world is made here and moonshine and like a lot of the alcohol trade started in Kentucky, like back in prohibition and stuff. So here just in general, people and their parents, like it's really normal to go to like a Halloween party or something hosted by adults. And there's 13 and 14 year olds drinking mm. like very common. So I started drinking at like a very young age. I, I mean, the first time I smoked weed, I was 11. The first time I drank, I was like seven. Oh. So, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and honestly, like around that time, everyone around me was either on that wave or completely opposite from it. And so once I fell into that wave, you know, I was literally like my eighth grade graduation party was like someone's college graduation party. There was a keg at my eighth grade graduation and anyone that was there could drink out of it. 
kind of thing. So I just feel like I was exposed to that lifestyle. And a lot of people in my family have, um, they're alcoholics or they have addictive personalities and energy. And I just think that I learned to cope in that way at a very young age. And it became very normalized for so long that whenever I got out of college and like went into the real world, I still was very lost in that arena. Yeah, that sounds, um, that's really heavy because I think a lot of us, you know, deal with shit every single day, but most people aren't like baptized in that type of environment at that young of an age. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of things through my spiritual journey is like came up for me. Like I now look back and see where, um, at times in my adolescence that I was straight up groomed and molested, even though I thought I was like the mature 14 year old, I'm like, no, these boys were predators or no, that boy was a predator. Like when I was 14, I dated a 17 year old, like exclusively for like four years. So I look back on that and I'm like, that was not okay. Like it was not okay that you dated a dude that was that much older than you at that young of an age. And then when you turned 18, y'all broke up because he was a predator. He wanted to go prey on another 14 year old. So I personally never considered myself like a rape victim or like a domestic violence, a victim or any of those things. But now that I've dived into those shadows, those things I was trying to numb and forget, I realized that like, wow, I was raped or like, wow, I was groomed or wow, I may have thought that was consensual, but it wasn't. So I realize now that I use drugs and alcohol to either distract or numb some of those experiences because I was young and I didn't realize what was happening to me until I was like 28 years old. And I'm like, wow, like you've really been through some shit. Yeah. I am. Um, no, no, you go ahead. When I was 13, I had 19 year old boy. And I remember like it was my friend's older brother. And that's when I started smoking weed because I can't believe you don't smoke weed. Like, that's not fucking cool at all. Me and my friends were drinking whatever. Um, and I remember being so mad at my parents and it's always the dudes that are, you know, uh, teenagers dating little girls that their moms were like, don't like the girls for some reason. And so I had that confusion as a kid dating an older guy of his mom being like, well, you're going to get my son in trouble and this is all your fault. And so I wanted to keep the relationship a secret because you got mom over here being like, you're just a hoe. You know, it, it's really hard for girls who like older boys and then don't realize it until we're adults or we have kids or we have our own things going on. And we're like, holy shit, like that is like assault that adults are okay with. And I think it was, it's only now that that gets discussed with girls where that's not okay. Because when we were growing up, that was just normal that guys are going to be older than you. All of my parents, their dads were older than their moms. And that just is how it is. And parents protect their kids at all costs. Hey, you got you look at like at some artists back in the day, like Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all were basically pedophiles. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to get behind Elvis because I like his music. But then when I started kind of researching about how he stole a lot of African-Americans music, he stole a lot of his ideas. He copied, um, you know, black artists and completely just fucking shammed them out of their own success. And I was like, 
blown away by a lot of that. And Jerry Lee Lewis, I've watched that movie, Great Balls of Fire, like a million times. And and even Johnny Cash, every single one of them were pedophiles. Every single one of them were. And although they were like untouchable or they were iconic in their age, no one shamed them for the trauma that they were putting onto these young girls. It was just normal. And so I think that growing up, you know, we get hyped up by these older men that like, oh, you're mature. It's only because you're mature. It's only because you're this. It's only that. And for me, it was the boy who lived next door. Like it wasn't something that was super far away from home. It was the boy who lived next door. And I remember like I was like 12 and he was like 17. He ended up actually introducing me to that long-term boyfriend. But when I look back on that whole friend group of people, I'm like, every single one of y'all were rapists. Every single one of y'all were pedophiles. And so the point of like that shaped my life like that shaped who I was becoming and the people I surrounded myself with and I think that's why I fell into drugs and alcohols just because I was exposed to low life people and now when I look back on it the reason those older dudes prey on younger girls is because the girls their age see through their shit the girls their age are mature enough to see that they're a piece of shit that they're an addict or that they're nobody and so they won't give them the time of day so they go prey on 14 year olds and tell them how mature they are yeah like you were talking about the elvis stealing from african-americans you know like that he's the i think the greatest elvis song is probably hound dog right that's what everybody sings along or jay lash rock you know uh dojo cat came out the other day or maybe a month ago or something like that and said Dude, you didn't, you know, you didn't create that. You stole that from uh, Big Mama Thornton. And then somebody just sampled uh, uh, Hound Dog again, like last year or this year or something like that. It's like, and like you said, Paige, nobody has even thought about giving any of these African-Americans any money. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been recorded, like you go to YouTube and search it on YouTube and stuff, like you can see it that they did it first, like two or three years before he even came up with the song. Mm-hmm. And they say a lot of that was the management was like preying on the African American artist at that time and all that was going on in America, and then preying on them, giving them nickels for the lyrics or the ideas. And at the time they felt like they were getting compensated, but then it goes number one with a, another artist singing it. And then they were just pushed under the shadows. There's so many instances like that in older music that was coming from America. Like so much of it was stolen. Yeah. Also Jack Daniels stole, I don't, I can't remember the guy's name, but they say that he's the one that taught Jack Daniels how to make his whiskey. You know, the guy, um, the KFC recipe, yeah. the Leader, he stole that. And actually, I know someone who's like great aunt was on her deathbed and she worked at the original restaurant that they stole the idea from. She said that some men came from New York and wanted to franchise the family restaurant. And the family was like, no, these are family recipes. They're staying in our family. We don't want to do that. And the cook that worked at the restaurant stole the recipes because he knew them and, and sold them and became Colonel Sanders. That's insane. That's well, I mean, because Yum Brands is from Kentucky. They own Taco Bell. They own Pizza Hut. They own KFC. They own so many restaurants under that umbrella that pretty much started from a stolen idea. That's that's nuts. And like, you know, and even though they know that that guy, I forget his name, taught um, Jack Daniels how to make the whiskey. 
like Isn't it Uncle Ernest? Yeah, that? something like yeah. So his like I don't know, like maybe great nephews or someone in his family has now created a whiskey. I think and I think it's called whatever Tony. Uncle, what'd you say, Tony? Uncle Ernest? Yeah, Uncle Ernest whiskey or something like that. And wow. but I, I think I think Kai told us I think they do have a piece of uh, Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest. Oh, they do have a piece of Lynchburg. Yeah, that's what she said. See, I, I oh, damn when she. Was I there when she did this? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> but anyways, like, but a small little fraction of billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? Another thing, I mean, it's kind of like right now what we're going through in the spiritual community with the scammers. They literally steal our content word from word. They take our pictures. They message people. They scam people with our good energy you know, or our good reputation and they just scam people and then people come to us and they expect us to like fulfill the reading and all these things. And it's like, it's mind blowing how many people want to ride the coattails of other creators or successful people. And I know that, you know, the bigger your spotlight, the more people that want to copy you, but these aren't people that are just copying. These are people that are word from word trying to be like you and catfish people. And I do think there's just a lot of toxicity with the internet because depending on like Jim and I, and I have small or Instagram accounts, these people will buy followers and have 30,000 followers with our pictures. And it's like, how do I compete with that? I only have 8,000 followers. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like you bought 30 K and now it looks like you're a legit account. And so I used to go through and archive stuff, but now I have a post all the way back to 2018. So that way, when a scammer comes up, if somebody wants to do their homework, they can scroll to the bottom and see that I have some older posts, but I used to keep my Instagram pretty clean because of people copying my content. I wanted to like, post it, then remove it later. But I have big celebrities as we speak that will literally take what I say in word from word, regurgitate it to someone else and Damn. put it on their own page. And it's like people that I've interacted with, people that I that I have an emotional connection to in ways. And it's like, how y'all just going to take my information and regurgitate <clears throat> it to your fans? Like, I don't like that. So it happens all the time in these smaller creators um, I know Machine Gun Kelly talked about it before. Like I saw people take what I was doing, but they were more famous. So I had to be patient. It's like one of his lyrics that I really resonate with because when someone does have a bigger platform, they do whatever they want. And that's the same thing with TikTok. These people take word for word what we're doing, regurgitate it, and then literally get 100,000 views on it. People will drop a podcast episode and Paige will say something. And literally there's, uh, I can think of two celebrities that have literally taken word for word what she said and posted reels about it and had like hundreds of thousands of likes and comments and whatever. And we're sitting here like, it's not like it was inspired by, it is literally you taking that word for word. And I always tell her too, with all these scammers and pages and stuff, it's free marketing. These people, I don't know if their faces are weird. I don't know what they have going on, but they never show their own face. It's always our faces and our content. And it's just free marketing. I can't tell you how many new followers or messages I've gotten from people who are like, hey, this page tried to scam me. It looked a little funky. I was able to find yours. I just wanted you to know that this is going down. Um, but some people are reckless with their copying and they don't even try to make it seem like they're inspired or motivated by you. They just want to take 
all the hard work that you've done and put it somewhere else. And that's fucking wild to me. And those are never people who are going to be long-term successful because eventually what we do or what anybody does, you're going to elevate that and do more and do better. And somebody can't keep on copying that when they have no hustle of their own. Yeah. I found, um, I thought it was a fake profile. So I sent sent it to Paige. I was like, Hey, I think someone's, um, trying to rip you off. And she's like, no, no, I had to create that as my backup just in case. I was like, Oh, okay. But yeah, like yeah, I had a, a backup coming in because my business Instagram was hacked and deleted just out of nowhere. So I lost all that and can't get the URL back, which was the same as my website. So it's been a weird situation. Like Instagram said I was selling counterfeit goods, whatever that means. I I hope soon that people like, you know, like you guys have big followers and stuff like that and have, you know, read for people and stuff. Eventually people get sick of like losing all or you you got yours back, thankfully, but like losing so many followers because it's hard, you know. Like you have to constantly put stuff out there, and the, you you hit the nail on the head when you said, um, people go out and buy their uh, uh, subscribers and stuff, you know. Because you know, I get we I get hit up all the time. Hey, when I, when I share a post that Tony will make for the podcast, like. So send it here, send it here. Hey, buy 50,000 uh, followers for 50 bucks, you know, like, but I always look at it like everyone's going to know you bought your follows because when there's no engagement on your post, and it's only like four or five or 10 or 20 and you have 50,000 followers. It should be at least a thousand, right? Hope you would think if it's organically done. I don't know anymore because well, the way they suppress stuff. So there's well, a lot of people. Y'all are talking about that because a friend of mine, she models and I was on the phone with her last night and she posts really provocative pictures. So, of course, she's getting interaction, but she only has like 4000 followers. And on her most recent picture, I mean, yes, it was ass out. <laughs> 1500 likes i was like sis you got over 55 percent engagement from organic followers and she was like girl every time i post a story it gets 1200 views and i'm like how does an account with 4000 followers get 1200 views when an account with 8000 followers such as myself i maybe break 500 maybe 500 would be a lot for that view and i'm just like the way instagram is set up they want to keep people on the app so since she only posts photos of and things of herself and it doesn't redirect you to a patreon or to a tiktok they're organically showing her shit like it's the hottest commodity out and i'm not gonna lie she looks hot as hell but it's like when you're promoting something positive such as a podcast or anything that's going to take the user off of instagram it will be suppressed and i did a social experiment where last year i posted a story this year one year later posted the same story and got one fourth of the engagement on the same exact content so it's just like I know that a year ago I was getting 1,200 views on a story and only had 5,000 followers. Now I have 8,000 followers and maybe get four or 500 views, which I mean, some people would be happy to get. But when I look at the bigger spectrum, you're moving farther and farther away from the target if your follower count's going up, but your views are going down. Yeah, you're right, because they're definitely, I don't see anybody's stuff that I'm friends with. I'll see Tony's stuff every now and then and Facebook, forget about it, because like, I see people's stuff on Facebook, obviously in my feed that I've been friends with forever and stuff like that. But like, like Tony's posts or something like that. I don't ever see that stuff. Me too. 
It's just like the only thing that goes crazy on Facebook now is if people have like drama posts and then those are getting, you know, people reshare those. I can't believe this happened or whatever. But people who are just talking about their life or their business or just the day to day, those aren't the people who are getting interaction on that platform anymore. <clears throat> yeah, like, you know, like the whole uh, Little Mermaid thing, that's the big, the big drama going on with that, you know, so every post is about that. All these funny memes are coming out, you know, which I love the funny memes, but I hate the racism that's going on along with that. But like, so how's it funny then? No, I'm saying I hate the racism part, but like the memes that said they're funny. No, I'm talking about like when they say keep fucking around and we're going to make He-Man black, you know, like that's funny. Yeah. You know, like stuff no, like I, that. I like, I like the commentary on some of those posts because it instantly reveals the people that I'm about to unfriend real quick. Like, <laughs> go ahead, boo. I'm, I'm watching you from afar. And honestly, I made a, a controversial post this week that got a lot of attention and I know everyone's seen it and I still am going to stand by what I said. People on their birthday will post like their Venmo and cash app and be like, buy me drinks or buy me an outfit or whatever. And I just, I think that's just given broke energy, like brokey ass energy. And I just feel like some of these same people are the people who would never share a podcast post or a creative post or something that someone's doing something positive for money, but you want me to donate to you because it's your birthday. And I had so many people on there um, either agreeing or left field going off on me. Like, they posted that Paris Hilton meme where she wore that shirt that said, stop being poor. And people were like, this is how I would sum up this post. And wow, you're so privileged. So you're hating on people that are broke. And I'm like, I never said anything about my privilege. I just said that if you're sharing something like, oh, I'm having a yard sale or, oh, I, I made um, artwork. I'm selling it. I'm doing digital logos gets no interaction, but you want people to donate to you just because it's your birthday. I had people going <laughs> off telling me that I'm judgmental. How can I be so spiritual and be talking all this woo woo, but yet I'm hating on people. And I'm like, I can be spiritual and still call you out on your nonsense, period. Yeah. I had a friend uh, post a picture of his tire blowing out and he was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Blah blah blah, and so I hit. I sent him a, a DM on Facebook. I was like, "Hey man, how much? You, how much are you short for your tire or whatever?" You know, and he was like, "Oh man, I think I'm short fifty bucks." I was like, "I can send you fifty bucks." So I sent it to him. Um, I sent it to him on Venmo. I was like, "Create a Venmo because I don't do Cash App. My bank doesn't authorize it, and uh, I can send it to you, or you can meet me out somewhere around town." And um, he's like, "So then, like, like two weeks later, he's like, hey, I really appreciate that.' Blah blah blah. How can I ever repay you?'" I was like, don't even worry about the 50 bucks. Do me. A, and he's like, well, what can I do? I was like, how about this? How about you create a post with the banner I'm fixing to send you with, 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 the, with the link up stuff, you know, like follow, share and stuff. Just make a couple of posts about that, like maybe for a week or so. I didn't hear shit back from him after I sent that to him. Oh, that's fucked up. I was like, you know, I'm not going to ever say anything to him again. I'm just never going to let him borrow money. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to help him out ever again. I'm like, dude, you asked me, and this is what I told you. You could even fucking do that. Like, all you have to do is literally copy and paste. That's it. Who is? I'm not going to say his name. Say I mean, his name. I mean, he, yeah, he probably doesn't even listen, so fuck him. Uh, his name is Wes. I went to elementary school. and, <laughs> and, and Wes. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to elementary school with him. Um and half of high school, because I moved to the, to Cordova, I mean, to Houston High School at my last two years of high school. And like, you know, I've known the guy my whole life since I was in like third grade. And so I helped him out. 
and then he, he couldn't even do that for me. That's fucked up. That's because that sounds like that's somebody who stayed in your rotation because they saw you coming up and they saw that they are going to get something from you and he got something from you and now he doesn't have to put anything back because it doesn't sound like he really probably contributed much anyways. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many, you know, but it would have been nice to see that being tagged in that because I did him a solid, you know? I mean, I, I see people all the time that have GoFundMes. Like in the last two months, I've donated over $500 to people's GoFundMes. Like a, a high school friend of mine lost their six week old child Damn. and they needed you know, and I instantly sent a hundred dollars. I haven't talked to these people in 10 years. I don't care. I really don't. I didn't care. It was just a hundred bucks. Once I sent that, I booked like five readings. Like I know that whenever I'm open to sharing my wealth and abundance with others, that it comes back to me. I'm not hating on helping someone out in need. I'm hating on these broke motherfuckers that don't do anything for anyone, but expect shit all the time. And that's what my post was about. So everyone who got offended are the same broke people that are sending $5 pictures of their booty hole. And that's fine. If that's your gig, (laughs) don't come for me, baby. Don't come for me. No, you're 100% right. And now the new trend is buy X person, and I'm just giving her a name, buy Paige a shout for her bachelorette party. Like, and they'll yeah. put like your Vimo and your cash app and the ba- the bachelorettes will post that constantly on the bachelorette trip. And yeah. now even guys that, you know, they were doing it for bachelor parties. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll buy, I'll buy my, I'll buy this girl. I'm not really friends with a shot. How much is it? And she was like, like, I don't know what and they were in Nashville. So I was like, probably 10 bucks for a shot. So I sent him a 10 bucks. And the girl was like, she actually, the bachelorette actually sent me a message. She was like, hey, I really appreciate that shot. Like, all right, cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, See, hell yeah. I, mean, I understand, like, some of that energy, but it's like the same old people that would never even share anything but negativity that want you to donate to them. I'm real cool when I see people that are like, hey, I have a convention. I'm I'm 20 bucks short or I'm 50 bucks short. But I see people on GoFundMe like, I want to go to hair school, donate, or I want to take this certification, donate. Like, what? And those are the same people hating on the student loan forgiveness. It's like, just let people be in their own fucking lane. Like at the end of the day, our government spends more money on fucking defense and military than any educational system. So cool. Let some people get a little break. 10 grand's not going to make or break someone who has a hundred K in loans. Like for me, I had 45,000 and now I have around seven. If you're telling me the government's going to swipe that seven, let's go. But I'm not going to be an asshole of about it to the people who really need it. I just see so many people trying to take advantage of their family and their friends with no intention of supporting them on the back end. Yeah, because one of my buddies um, posted, I wish they would take away $10,000 of um, like medical bills. I was like, that's a great idea because he was talking about the student loan 10,000. And I was like, dude, that's, yeah, hopefully that'd be awesome because, you know, a lot of people, if they go to the hospital, it's, Thirty thousand dollars they owe now, you know, and they're never gonna be able to pay that off. And he was like, and I, and so one of my buddy goes, yeah, f- fuck, fuck the people for getting that ten thousand. I didn't go to school and I make great money, but I was like, I was like, my answer to you is why can't we do both programs? And you nailed it on the head when you said all the money we spent on defense. Who the fuck is evading America? Nobody. Yeah. Ever. There's too many allies for America for 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 America to have for like a China to come up around or it's I because mean, we run their whole economy without Americans consuming all this little shit at the Dollar Tree. China doesn't even have a market. You know what I mean? They need us. They can't get rid of us because we are the capitalist consumerist 
entity. Everyone else is wearing the same shoes that they've been wearing for five years here. I got 50 pairs of shoes. You know what I mean? Like that's what they need. They need that energy. So you are so right. But Americans have went so far from actually what makes them happy that they're so focused on these material items or these jobs or followers and likes that no one organically, I feel like is creating art these days without the need to be seen or the need to be heard. And that's what I love about spirituality is because a lot of it is done in the dark. A lot of it's done beneath the scenes. Like you don't see me crying and doing all this shadow work and all this healing, but you get to see the finished product. So for someone to be like, oh, wow, you think you're so spiritual, but you're always talking shit about people. No, I'm just calling y'all out on your low vibrational bullshit because you're the same person asking for donations that would rather sell your dusty clothes on a Facebook post than donate them to a children's center. That's what gets me is when people are like, I'm doing a closet purge and they're literally selling shit that doesn't need to be sold. It needs to be donated to a fucking child in need. I want to point out with the children, you can also do an angel tree for a senior. And I think that's what I'm going to do this year because they say the children angel trees always get consumed. But the seniors, the people who are in the nursing homes that don't have family are getting nothing. And I feel like we need to really give back to our veterans and our seniors and our elders because honestly, they were the backbone of this country. Yeah, I didn't even know that they did a senior angel tree. I would like to do that this year. I always, I always just knew about the children's one. What's an angel tree? So, like, I don't, this is what I'm going to explain. It's probably wrong, though. Like, it, there, there's an organization that um, they need they need stuff for kids in, like, in orphanages or, like, you know, their parents need help. So they put their name on a, on a little card on a, on a Christmas tree, and then you pick, the, you pick whichever one you want, and then you buy the stuff on that list, and you take it to the place and you say, hey, this is for this person. And they, they take it to that person for Christmas and they give it to the parents. And then the parents, you know, give the toys or whatever it is to the kids. Oh, I'd love to do something like that. That sounds yeah. cool. They have them at like our mall. Like the mall will have a bunch of them. Yeah. I think Salvation Army does some of it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think that it's such a beautiful thing when I see people who are not hoarding resources that they don't need. And I... I grew up an only child, so I also grew up um, kind of stubborn and stingy because everything was just always mine as a kid. But now in my adult years, I literally always have clothes that I could sell and I never sell them. I always give them to my friends, people that I barely know. I'm just like, come get this bag of clothes. And I know for a fact that some of them will take it and use it or sell it. And I'm like, do you like you probably need the money and I don't need the money. So therefore, I'm going to give it to you. But I don't do that as a way of like you owe me or, you know, so many people, especially with the donation stuff on the Internet, they do it from a place of selfishness. And it's not like I would also do this for you if I could. It's like, me, me, me. And that's what I saw on that post. All the backlash I was getting was from broke girls, no offense, that don't do anything with their life that are complaining that people should give them money because it's their birthday. And I'm like, I I literally commented back on the post and I just said a lot of people got triggered by the post, but work harder or work smarter, not harder. And I just feel like, you know, so many people are blocking their own blessings by being stubborn and stingy with their resources that they do have. And they're not grateful. That being said about you always bothers me because Paige is a person like 
a friend, whatever, if she's, if you order a deck of cards from her or whatever, she's going to send you one thing. She's sending you a whole ass box of stuff. And she's like, I got all this stuff for you. Like, this is just on my mind. I want to do this. When her friend passed away and they were raising uh, money for his funeral costs, she was out here giving readings to everybody that donated like $20, I think it was. And all of, she did that all free. So you know, she might have a post or something like that where she's calling somebody out for like stinginess and bullshit, but it's because behind the scenes, what people aren't seeing and all they're seeing is a post is that that's just her character behind the scenes is to be giving back to people, whether you're her friend or not. And she genuinely gives that without expecting to receive anything back. And so anytime I call her Polly Pocket because I literally just think that rainbows like shoot out of her ass. <laughs> and that she always has like good intentions with things. And so it like personally always rubs me raw when I see any kind of post like that. Those aren't the kinds of things that Paige you even usually discuss where you usually like even call people out on things. Usually it's the opposite, but as we discussed on the podcast recently, when she's in Leo through Scorpio season, um, she just gets like real buck with it. And I love it. She went from like cute Polly Pocket to trap guru Polly Pocket real fucking quick. And I'm here for it. Yeah, it's like, you know, every time Tony buys like a new piece of furniture for the house, he'll give away like like a chair, table, chairs, pictures, you know, whatever. He could easily sell some of this, like all of this stuff, because a lot of it is really good. Stuff, you know, like it's good shit. But he always like posts it on Facebook. Hey, does anybody want this? It's free. Just come and pick it up. And you know, people come pick it up. I think well, I so. know what it's like not to have. Like when I first moved out, <laughs> for the longest time, I had a bed. I didn't even have a bed. I had a comfort. No, I'm sorry. I had a a box spring, a mattress, a dresser, a TV, and a chair. And they were all like given to me by other people. So I know what it's not to have. So like if I can give it to somebody that's starting out or, you know, that's older, whatever, just give it away. And, and then also like, you know, when, when, you, when you give something to somebody, it's not it should never come up. Well, remember when I gave you like, don't ever use that against somebody. Well, man, you were offering it. I didn't know you were going to come back 10 years later and say, you know, whatever. Just do it because you want to do it, not because. You're going to use it as ammo later on in life. Like, if I think I get, a lot of people don't know what it's like to give and receive in balance. I feel like for most people, it's always off, like the giving and receiving. And so I think I try to keep a very balanced thing. Like if someone gives me something, I automatically have to give something to someone else. And I've noticed like. Recently, I was going to my friend's house and I have a selenite wand. It's a crystal that was in my car and I always keep it in the car. Well, on the way there, Spirit was like, you're going to give this to your friend. And I was like, I don't want to give them this. Like, this is my car wand. I want it in the car. And I look over and I see 777. And seven for me means yes. It's my code with the universe. It just means yes for me. So Spirit was like, "Mm, yes, you are. So I go over there. We're doing a podcast interview. I have it in my purse. And my friend looks at me and was like, last time you gave me something, look, it's in my display case. So I was like, oh my God, like they really cherished what I gave to them six months ago. So I was like, I'm going to give it to them. So I gave it to them. I shit you not the next day, my friend gave me the most amazing crystal and gave me a selenite wand. 
literally gave me exactly what I just gave away the next day. And I have the crystal that she gave me and it's this skull. These oh, are not cool. This oh, is I have the most- one of those. Where's it at? Uh, it's in my room. Fucking, um, that is cool as shit. Yeah. She gave this to me the next day. And so spirit was like, that was a test and you passed. So here's a prize. And we want you to know the next time we tell you to give something, you do it. And I'm, I normally always do it, but it was like, my ego was like, I don't want to give it away. Like I like it. And I did it anyways. And it wasn't because I was expecting anything, right? Because it's a totally different friend that gave me the skull, but she literally gave me a selenite wand as well. And I'm just like, the universe is so mysterious. If you listen and you give, you will receive more than you could possibly imagine with the love and the gratitude from those people. It's just that energy. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish more people would do that. Like we did. uh, Yeah. We did a uh, homeless Thanksgiving dinner dinner a couple of years ago. And like people kept calling us because our numbers got put on the news when the news interviewed us. And like, we were at the, the, what is it called? Um, The community center. And somebody had called me and I answered the phone and I thought it was a volunteer and come to find out it was somebody that was looking to come get some food. And I was like, oh, yeah, just come over here. And they're like, well, I don't have a car and my kids haven't eaten in three days. Can you bring us some food? So my friend Brad and his son and I went over to their house and opened the door and the lady, the kids looked like emaciated and they were so appreciative for the food that we were giving them. And that was like one of the best feelings I could have. It's like giving to something that we take advantage of. You know, like I don't have to think about where my next meal is coming from. And there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in our country that have to deal with that. Shit, even you're in, in town, you know, like that some of the kids, if they don't have the free programs, they don't eat. You know, like, you know, now in, Mem- in Memphis, well, I think it's just, I think it's all school districts and we are in town. But like uh, you get a lunch. I mean, you get a breakfast and a lunch and then some 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 schools where the you know it's um a lot of people live in poverty and stuff they get a dinner they get to take a, a a bag home and inside the bag is a very nutritious meal like for the kid and but sometimes that's all that kid eats and then over the summertime they they did the program too and so that was 7 days a week even even during the school year now it's 7 days a week so i guess somebody figured out somewhere that some of these kids weren't eating nor, like on a regular schedule how how we eat that's really cool that they do that. I know that the park here uh, during the summer when my son would go to the park, they had um, breakfast and lunches out. So somebody had a table set up out there and they would just set food up and kids from the park, whether they had food or not, could come over and get, you know, food, whatever. And I felt like that was super welcoming and didn't limit anybody. There's no stigma of, oh, they're going up to the table because they're poor, you know. Um, but then when we had school opening, as soon as school started, the teacher asked, you know, every month, can parents please bring food that we can have here in the classroom so that if I have kids that I know aren't getting fed or, you know, they don't have, I notice that they don't have snack at school and stuff, we can give them food. Uh, I think that schools should all be having free meal, free lunch programs. They figured it out somehow to find the funding during COVID, but they can't figure out the funding now that we're back to school. And even if parents can get food to their kids, sometimes that takes money away from other things and they don't have the money to be spending to send them 
with these full, because when you send your kid to school, they have like certain requirements, at least at our schools here in Boise and Idaho, for what kinds of meals to pack for your kids, like how much protein they should have and fruits and vegetables and whatever. And I know um, somebody here who they weren't packing their kids with uh, what they thought was nutritious food and they called CPS on her. Oh, and wow. said that she was, yeah, said that she was only providing junk food and Cheetos and stuff to her kids. And she's like, I, this is all that we can do right now. And they, you know, if you make the way that it always is, if you need assistance with something and you have a job, then you make too much in order to get assistance on this. And they should really be fucking monitoring those programs and fixing it because there are kids that are hungry. There are people who can't afford to get healthcare and they have medical bills and whatever and they don't qualify for free it's crazy yeah like we don't i don't think we have um, a thing with this is what the lunch has to be here in town or at least i just don't know if we do but like i know growing up in my lunch was always like you know coke uh chips so uh cake you know like and then like some some indian food or whatever right but there's always always a bunch of junk mama would definitely be in jail they would call they would call her they would call the cops on her all the time. Honestly, I remember when I went to school and I would pack my lunch, I would have like a little Debbie like mm-hmm. nutty buddy bar or something like that. I would have a sandwich or a lunchable and chips. And honestly, I remember being that person drinking a big red and eating hot Cheetos at 9 a.m. in class. So I don't know what they call nutritious, but I didn't never have no apples or anything. And honestly, <laughs> growing up. Because my parents had money for lunch, I would scan my card because I would bring my lunch, but you have to use it or lose it kind of thing. So I would actually like the kids who are hungry or, or, or bigger kids that maybe needed more food than that was provided. I would always scan my lunch card or like they would just take my card and go get extra milks or like whatever they wanted because I always had lunch and I always had lunch money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that. The system is broken and a lot of the things that we, like you said, take for granted are very big problems in other people's life. And so, you know, donating to someone's cash app for shots is like not in my vocabulary, but if you got to go fund me for your dad's cancer treatment, I'm sending 50 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm at, like I'm a very giving person, but not to the people who want to exploit the system. And that's what my whole status was about. It's about people exploiting others for material benefit and gain. That's what I was getting at. Like, I would much rather see people donating their clothes, their furniture, their whatever to others that actually need it rather than donating it to someone who's going to turn around and sell it. Yeah, because like, um, shit, I lost what I was going to say. Oh, no. So, like, you know, what you just said about, fuck, damn it, I lost it. I'm sorry. Just let it go. Let it happens to me all the time. I got to let it go. I got to let it go. Let it go. Oh, no. So, we have a, we have a page here in, in, on, on Facebook. Uh, it's called I Love Memphis. No, no, it's not I Love Memphis. But it's like a food, like a, a restaurant thing, you know, like everyone puts their favorite restaurants and stuff. And um, one of the things, there's people on there, hey, I might, you know, I need some, I need some food for my baby or whatever, and this and that, or whatever, whatever the situation is, right? Now, if there's a hundred comments on under the person's post, 98 are, well, I, can, I got this I can bring to you, or can you come get, or whatever. And But you always have the people like, oh, I seen you post this on a different thing, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, 
If you don't want to donate or you don't want to help, I don't, you know, I, I'm not here to say she's lying or she's telling the truth. I don't know. So it's either you want to help the lady or the guy or the baby or you don't. If you don't want to help them, then just keep on moving. Like the people like panhandlers and stuff. Oh, I see them, you know, they, they, they sure do have a nice phone and stuff. Or I don't know how they got there. I don't know what their situation is. They could be an alcoholic. That's why they can't stay employed. Or they could be a drug abuser. That's why they can't stay employed. We don't know. Just because they have a car doesn't mean they're winning in life. You they know? may live in the car. Exactly. That's what I was going with that. But like. You just never know what everyone's going through. And if you don't want to give the person the dollar that's standing on the side of the road in the middle of, the, you know, like it's hot as fuck outside, then just keep on driving. You don't have to make a comment about it. But you could do the same thing to that post. You see that. Oh, I think you all riled up right now. Just oh, ignore I, it. No, I do. But like, you know, I don't have a comment on this stuff, but I'm just, we just have the conversation. Like we're observing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just observing what's going on. And I'm just like, dude, like, I used to be like that, like, oh, and I'm not like not believing the person, but I used to comment on people's shit all the time on Facebook. I think there's, I think there was a time that I would spend so much time just commenting on random people's stuff and like, no, that's stupid. Or, you know, what are you talking about? You know, that's dumb that, you know, it's like, I use my energy elsewhere now. Yeah. Cause once people get hobbies and like things that they want to do with themselves, you don't have time to just sit down and be judging what somebody else is doing and commenting on their post and whatever that you don't agree with what they're doing, because I don't agree with that, but I have 400 other things that I could be doing with my thumbs right now. Uh, my Nana in her car, she used to, she probably still does it, but she used to make these bags that she would put like granola bars, chips, a little, one of the little mini waters, um, toothbrush and toothpaste, deodorant, stuff like that. And she would always have them in her car and it would have like five bucks in it. She would make them every single week. And when she would be driving and she saw a homeless person on the side of the road at a stoplight or whatever, she would give them that. And she's like, I don't know what they're going through, but everybody needs deodorant, a toothbrush, five bucks and some water, you know? So there are people, they get, people get heckled so much or, you know, you mentioned um, people having nice phones or something like that. Somebody could be going through a really serious like drug addiction and their family buys them a phone because they want them to be able to get a hold of them when shit's going down, you know, or they're wanderers and and their family gives that to them so that they have something. Um, I knew a girl who you who recently was using Wick in line at the grocery store and um, her dad got her nails done for her birthday. And so as a birthday gift and she's using Wick and the lady behind her started recording her and put her on the Internet and was heckling her about how are you going to use Wick when you have your nails done and whatever. And this girl just cried because she didn't you know, she didn't know how to stand up for herself or whatever. And then she sees it on the Internet later. And you never know what somebody's going through, how somebody gets the things that you think are like, you know, what they're splurging their money on and being irresponsible with. And yeah. Yeah. So what you're talking about your Nana doing, I think I've seen that. I think it's called like a blessing bag or something like okay. that. But yeah, uh, I saw that like last week. I was like, man, that's such a great idea. I've yet to make any, but you know, it's great. I think I, I might make some. I love Yeah, that. that's a great idea. Like, cause you know, we always see people. You might not have cash on you to give them a dollar or something, or even if you have a water, an open water in your car or Coke or something, you know, give it to them. 
If you want. If you don't, just keep on driving. Right, Tony? <laughs> I think you should help people out. Yeah, of course. No, you, you, I yeah. just think so many people that are in that situation, um, a lot of them are veterans. And I have such, like, my, I come from a family of people that were in the military and stuff. And such a soft spot for veterans. Like, if I see an older cat with one of those veteran hats on, like, at Cracker Barrel, at the gas station, anywhere that, like, I can say something to them, I'm always like, thank you for your service. And then... It's almost like it's so rare that someone says that to them that their first instinct is to thank me. And I'm like, don't thank me. Thank you. Like, thank you, sir. Because a lot of those people were drafted and gave up their entire life. And then they come back and they're trying to cope with all the shit they went through. Like my grandfather was in Vietnam. Luckily, you know, he worked at the electric company. When he got home, he had a good job to come home to. But a lot of people came home to poverty, came home to mental illness, came home to addiction. And I just think that that runs so deep in family, especially with all the generational trauma and healing that I do with myself and with my clients. You don't know what got that person there because maybe their grandfather went to Vietnam and then came home and just beat their whole family for the next 10 generations of people, all these things happened. And now here they are asking for money. And I feel like so many people don't see that it takes a lot of courage to go out and beg for money. People think that's easy, but to put your pride aside or put your whatever to the side and do it anyways. And I see a lot of people like I am kind of judgy because I do know there are those panhandlers that literally just do it and then hop in their car and go to their mansion very common but you can look at someone's hands and tell if they're homeless like it's just the facts you can look at their hands and you will know if they're homeless and i just think that before we go you know judging why they're doing that we should have sympathy with the fact that they have the courage to do that because a lot of people don't a lot of people would rather go steal or or you know do some type of scam versus going out there and selflessly asking for money. I will say that more people are in difficult situations since the pandemic, but I do feel like some of this is by people's own reflection. Like they're not doing the work. They're not seeking the ways that they could be successful. And so in ways that I have sympathy, I also have, some resentment towards those people. Cause it's like, well, I came from that and I chose to do something different with it. So therefore you can too. Yes. Yeah, to go, on, go ahead. Go to ahead. go on what you said about um, talking about veterans and stuff. I think there's a lot of people have this mindset of, well, they could just go to the VA. And if anybody has, you know, is surrounded by veterans or people in the military, First of all, it's really hard for you to get anything from the VA, even like your medical things, things like that. They still have huge co-pays with things or things that you have to pay out of pocket. The government doesn't, it doesn't take care of the military. You know, they talk about you get a free education, you get all this stuff. Um, I have a military family as well. I, I have a brother who just uh, left the Navy because, well, I won't say that it's because of this, but something that he experienced was he got back from the longest deployment with no port that the United States Navy has ever had on record because while they were deployed, um, COVID hit. And so they weren't allowed to stop in port anywhere. Well, finally, they're on the boat for uh, over a year and a half. When they finally pull up to go to Virginia and be able to dock, they're told, oh, well, if you want to get off this boat, you have to get double vaccinated. 
And so they forced everybody that was on the ship to get vaccinated. And that was something that, you know, is it that the government did. And there are guys who got sick from getting the vaccine or whatever, or got sick when they got off the boat. And so there are a lot of things that they require of people in the military or of veterans in order to get aid and do things. And if it goes against what your personal belief is or what you're medically able to do for yourself or whatever, they don't care because you're not individual people. You are part of a mass, um, like a mass force. And what's good for one person is good for all people. And they teach you, you know, not to have emotions with things and not to do certain things and to rely solely on the government itself to get all of your answers and all of your direction and everything. And so once they, they leave being told what to do, even if they don't have PTSD or they don't have, you know, all of these other things, they've been indoctrinated into not knowing how to take care of their own selves in civilian life because somebody has barked orders at them and told them that self-thought and control over your own body isn't okay. I mean, they don't, the, um, the rate of like sexual assault too, that happens in the military that people don't discuss is wild. And they don't do anything to the VA doesn't do anything to help people with counseling or anything like that. They spend those funds into protecting the members of the military that assaulted them. Yeah. The VA, I have two friends in the military or they're, you know, they're vets now that are trying to get released from the VA system so they can go to like somewhere else but the va is giving them such a hard time uh to get like really i don't know i don't know they're looking for some kind of paper there's a piece of paper they filed to where they can get their records and stuff like that and they can go to like a normal like they don't have to go to the va but like unless they do this they have to keep on going to the va and one of my buddies was like man i've been waiting for like two almost two years to get in the VA for, I forget what he said, but like, and last night my buddy was telling me the same thing. He's like, man, like I'm so ready to break away from the VA. Like, I just want to go and sit down and have a conversation with somebody if, if I want. And instead I have to go to the VA because I don't have a certain thing on my record. I was like, damn, that sucks, man. What do you know what he's trying to get? Is it, you said talking to somebody, is it like a counseling thing? I for think, the VA? yeah, I think so. Yeah. So there's this app. Um, it's called better help. And, um, it's something that I've been looking into a lot lately. They do do, um, like reduced payments based on people's income and stuff. You do pay for it, but it is this huge, um, counseling thing. So you can video with a counselor. You can also just text or message if that's something you're more comfortable with. Um, but I think it was like, when I looked it up, it was going to be like $200 a month or something, but you get 24 seven access to, either a counselor that you've chosen, or if you're okay with just random counselors, then they'll do that. Um, but they do have specifically, they'll ask you, you know, why are you coming? Have you been diagnosed? Um, and they have a section with, are you a veteran? Yes or no. They may have different options there. And then you wouldn't have to go through the VA because that's something you're doing yourself. Yeah. But it's just, it, I don't know, like, that's the thing, like, you know, you were saying that a lot of people, uh, Paige was saying, you know, they got drafted when they were 18 years old to go fight Vietnam and stuff like that. My grandpa got drafted at 14. So, like, the thing is, like, you telling, you teaching this kid that's 18 or 14 how to kill somebody overseas, 
they never address the the what you go through after you have to kill somebody to so you don't die in the situation, right? Because a lot of people came back fucked up because they didn't know how to cope with what they had to do over there. And it's just something that it's has been swept under the rug, seems like. Yeah, my my poor grandpa um is like in his 80s and the VAs um basically did like you know how they would do that shock therapy to people that were in mental hospitals they still do that at the VA and they did that to my grandpa and now he can't remember a lot of the bad shit that happened but like they basically just shock therapied out of it like and honestly they changed him like he's not the same person he was before they did that like he's extra almost like trapped in this weird mindset now it's like they've erased all of these very traumatic experiences but now it's like he has like an identity crisis it's like i honestly believe at 80 years old he thinks that he's like 16 but like they try to erase a lot of the trauma from vietnam because vietnam was such a bloody and like deathly time in american history or whatever and it's just crazy that you know there are so many people that deal with that and then projected that onto their kids and then onto the boomers. And then, you know what I mean? It's just like, we were raised by a lot of fucked up people. And I think that our generation, we've talked about this on Lick It Like a Lollipop, is destigmatizing therapy. Like therapy's okay. Honestly, um, I've decided to start dating again. And I had like an instant. It's not going, dude. <laughs> going bad, y'all. It's going these like I'm not gonna lie, I've never been on a dating app. So I thought, you know what? I'm too pretty for my phone to be this dry. So obviously I get on Tinder. I've got like five thousand likes. People are blowing <laughs> my phone up. But it's like consistently not the people that I'm interested in. It is good for my ego, but it's like the people I'm trying to talk to. They talk to me until they realize that I'm kind of internet famous. And then they instantly like get all weird and then only want to watch my stories. They don't want to talk anymore. They just want to watch. And I'm like, y'all are weird for that. But one of them, um, we were, you know, I want to talk about like mental health and spirituality and, and what you believe. Like, I don't care about your favorite color. I don't care about your hobbies. Like, I want to talk about like, do we have some core beliefs that line up? Because if we don't, and we're way too different in that sense, I can't connect with you. So we're talking, we're talking, and he just randomly throws in a, I need therapy, LOL, LOL. And I was like, well, I mean, most people do need therapy, but it's like, what are you doing about that? And he was like, I mean, I guess I'm doing nothing about it. And I'm like, that's the red flag. It's not that you need therapy. It's the fact that you're a grown ass man and you're not doing anything about it, but you know that you need to go to therapy that for me, that's bothering me. So I'm like, y'all are weird for that one. But you're looking for a relationship at the same time that you're not working about healing yourself. So you just want to project all of your unhealed bullshit onto somebody else and then get super insecure that they're online. But you literally started talking to them knowing that they post half naked photos of themselves. I'm not here for it. She deserves more. And the thing is, I need you to be back me like that, man. (laughs) Do some good shit. I I will. I will. But no, it's like, like the same people that want to be in your life also can't handle who you really are. And so that's why, like, I just feel like so many people want to stay on that surface level. But when you start getting deep, I think honestly, maybe like I pull that deep side out of people and then they're like, whoa, this girl's exposing my shadows. I'm just going to watch from a distance. I want to be a spectator. I do not want to be front row with her because. 
because she's going to trigger me. And, you know, and I think a lot of people, they meet me through this avenue and they like what they see, but then their ego creeps in and they're like, well, for every person that reaches out to her, there's like 50 more people on the back end reaching out to her. And it's like their ego can't understand that I'm trying to actually give them attention or get to know them. And so instantly those shadow aspects come up of like insecurity and jealousy. And I just think so many people are not dealing with their trauma that it manifests into their relationships, that it manifests into insecurities and fears. And it's like, it's a social experiment for me at this point for a guy to ask me to hang out. And then I say yes. And then they ghost me. And then they watch my story. It's like the same thing. It's happened back to back now. Like I've only been trying to date for like three weeks and it's happened three times already. So I'm like, yeah, but it's, I feel like it's because there are, you know, everybody's always like, I want to have a bad bitch or I want to, I want to have this or I want to, you know, girls doing this is hot. But then there's also this, I want to treat a a partner like property thing that goes on. And so they expect that I see that that's how you are now. But I expect that if you start talking to me, then you're going to switch up what you're doing because I'm going to get uncomfortable with it. And so the second that you go, no, like this is my personality and who I'm going to be when we hang out. Also, when we hang out, I'm celibate and I'm not sleeping with you. So what's good? Then you get ghosted because, oh, so you're just posting yourself online, but I'm not going to get it. Well, no. So what is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again now. Like you're they're dating somebody and they're not having sex for, with somebody. Is that what no, I've for celibate. I've for celibate. Paige specifically, I'm talking about Paige. I'm okay. talking about the things that she goes through is. You know, guys will be interested in her and they'll see the Internet persona that she has and that she posts photos online and she does, you know, whatever she does and that she she has her own thing going. And so they're interested in that. But they expect that if they're talking to her, then she's going to sleep with them because she posts photos of herself online and she's not because she's very open about a celibate journey. And also, if you are talking with somebody and you expect that they're just going to sleep with you, and then when you find out they're not, you just ghost them, that's the kind of shit that she goes through. But you're up front with these guys that you're on a celibate journey? Yeah, so I took a vow of celibacy 18 months ago, and I am going to complete that journey in January 2023. So... I completely like got off birth control. Like I just completely cut out sex from my vocabulary, but I found that a lot of my relationships only survived because of that lustful sexual energy without that aspect of a lot of my relationships, we wouldn't have made it past three months. So I took that out of the equation because you will find as a grown man or a grown woman that a lot of the times that you're dealing with somebody's crazy psycho bullshit is a lot to do with the sexual ties. We have sexual cords that happen. So when people are randomly hooking up with other people, you're taking on their negativity, their drama, their energy. And you may not know it, but it's being stored in your lower chakras. So going on to the spiritual journey, I realized how much sexual trauma I had and then also used sex as a form of self-sabotage. Because most of the time I would be really fucked up when I had sex with someone. So when you take drugs and you take sex out of the equation, you realize you don't really like these people. So I'm honest with people. Even if I'm on Tinder, I'm not here to hook up with you. Like I'm not. I may be here for 
you know, conversation or in the future. And I'm not saying that I'm not looking for someone to have sex with because I am like, if there's somebody that meets the category, like I'm ready, like I'm ready to do that. But at the same time, that's not going to be the only thing you have to offer me because I've settled for that and mediocre sex to begin with. Like most sex is mediocre unless you were drunk or on drugs. So when I realized that like most of the sex I've ever had, I was blackout drunk. I'm like, this isn't okay. You've got to completely shift that. So for me to be a spiritual guru and to really walk that talk, I had to also do that. And I think in the hookup culture, the internet culture, the, the attention that people get from the internet or whatever, if you post a sexy picture in a bodysuit, people just assume that you're going to give it up. And when they find out you're not going to, they go into like this identity crisis because they realize that's the only thing they have to offer me. If I pay my own bills, I drive a new car, I have a good job, I have my own business. Only thing I'm looking for is companionship. And if all you have to offer is sex, but you can't get a good conversation or any good energy out there, and you're talking about, I need therapy, LOL, but you're not doing anything about it. That's a hell of red flag. Why would I want to get involved with you sexually when you're not dealing with your own bullshit? So are these guys like basically like that Olsen clock when they return 18, they're waiting for your 18 month break to come up and then they're going to come back into your life again because then they think you'll think you'll have sex with him. No, it's 24 months. Oh, 24 January, I think I'm January sorry. will be two years, right? Yeah, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people, they want to get close to uh, like me to pump their ego. Like when you see a girl that gets a lot of attention on the internet, but she's giving you attention, it's an ego boost. But then when they find out I'm not going to have sex with them, I think the ego deflates and they're like, holy shit, I don't have anything to offer her. So now I'm going to ignore her because every, every guy thinks that girls like to be ignored or that we like you more if you ignore us. But that's not true. I want a man to be obsessed with me. But only the man that I want obsessed with me. Like other people can obsess and that doesn't get my attention. But, you know, wanting attention from one person is very important to me. Like I'm not, I'm not rated E for everyone. Like not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone's going to be connected with me. So I just find that as a person who's very self-aware of my energy and your energy, it's hard for me to find that middle ground without sex or those soul ties being activated because let's be honest a lot of people get their feelings involved once sex is involved because it's a natural reaction so then you honestly don't know if you actually like this person or you're under some sexual trance of that connection that you're craving so you're not you're not going to settle even after the two years i mean even after january like if you're not vibing move on yeah because without the, without the, the drugs and oh sorry go ahead I'm always the friend when she talks to somebody and I'm like you know that if you want to get it though I wouldn't judge you girl I won't tell anybody if that's <laughs> what you're trying to do you almost had two oh you almost had two years though I mean what October three months three and a half three, uh four eight twelve sixteen weeks yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's Mercury retrograde in the sign of Libra and Libra rules relationships. And so it's really a toxic time for me to be an astrology girl trying to date. It really is just collectively. But I think, like I said, I was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, 
I need to, I need to be exposed. Um, my phone is way too dry to be this cute. Like, yeah, I get, I wake up every morning to like 20 DMs. Okay, cool. But like, it's not people I want attention from. So I thought I'd get on, on Tinder, do some swiping, see what's up. But the thing with these guys is like, they know for every one match that they have that I've probably matched with 10 people, their ego can't wrap their head around that. I'm trying to give them attention. Right. So they instantly drop the ball within the fucking first week. And then I'm like, so that's why you're single. Now I know why you're single. I'm single by choice, but you're single. Cause you're an idiot. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Man, so does, does the person that you're gonna date after you, you know, whenever you choose to pick choose somebody, are they gonna have to be into like um, the things you're into? Like, no, not at all. I just I can't have someone who's super boxed in. Like, yeah, I'll never get tattoos because my mom doesn't want me to, or I'm gonna stay in my hometown so I can be here with my grandma, or you know, people that are just limiting themselves based on what their family and society wants them to do. I think is big for me. Like, I'm not saying that everybody should move out of their hometown. I'm just saying that if you're going to stay in your hometown and go to the same three bars and hang out with the same three people your whole life and never even want to experience the world, we don't have any connection. And then there's the people that are like, well, I'm ready to settle down and have kids, but they have no reason as to why they want to do that, except that it's expected of them. So I need someone who's like a black sheep or like a rebel or someone who's going to be outside the box. Even if we're in different boxes, I just can't be boxed in with you. Like, I can't be like, well, this is what my mom expects, or you shouldn't post things like that because my little brother can see it. I don't care. Like, I want someone who unapologetically exists in their family, in their friend group, in their life. Not the people that are just so like, well, this is what society wants me to do. So that's what I'm doing. So I don't need someone who's super spiritual. I just need someone who's super self-aware and conscious of the energy that they're putting out into their world. Why do you have this dumb look on your face? <laughs> he keeps on staring at me because you, you said three things that, he's, that he knows that I'm not going to do. One, my mom is my mom. She's number one. <laughs> no she's, shit. She's, she's, she's number one. Okay, so you would always be second. Um, number two, uh, my mom will get mad if I get a tattoo. <laughs> number three. Your mom must listen to the podcast. No, 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 no. I had a lot to you yesterday. She was like, she called me yesterday just before we were supposed to record last night. And she was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, just watching TV, you know, just chilling, watching TV. And then Tony goes, why'd you lie to her? And I was like, oh, because like, you know, I don't want to tell her I'm recording a podcast. And, and then my brother flips the switch on me and yeah, tells him everything we talk about and stuff. Just the way that she doesn't know, you know, but she would, uh, the tattoo, she would, she would probably cry if I showed up with a tattoo, but my nephew just got a pier ear piercing. So maybe I can get that done now. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. I just feel like right now I am challenging everyone's belief system and in, in my family and in my friend groups. And I feel like I just want someone who also loves themselves enough to do what they want to do. Maybe you don't even want tattoos. That's cool. But there's also people that are like 30 years old that are like not 
moving or taking the job or the relationship. Maybe it's an interracial relationship. There's just something they're not doing because their family expects them to do the opposite of that. And that's where I feel like people get very complacent. And then they project those insecurities onto other people on the internet. They're the ones on the fucking WLKY post on the news talking shit or, you know, the people on Twitter bashing celebrities. It's like, if you're unhappy with your own existence, you're going to find an issue with everyone who's living authentically. And I know you mentioned Doja Cat earlier, she like shaved her head and her eyebrows. And then everyone was like, are you having a mental breakdown? Like, no, bitch, I'm doing me. It's self-expression. Like, let me live. You know, Sinead yeah. O'Connor had a bald head and no one cared. It's just like, at the end of the day, so many people who would never in their life want to experience certain things, want to judge you for doing that. And so with the dating thing, I just can't have someone who just goes to work, comes home, watches TV or plays video games all night, every night, but has no other aspiration. Like you can do that a few nights a week, but then you all record the podcast. Then you all do this. Then you're doing donations. You know, like it, I'm not saying that you can't do those yeah. things. I'm saying if that's your only existence is smoke, eat and chill and then do the man's nine to five. I don't like that. Like, I want someone who's like, why do we do that? Like, wants to question it. Even if we still do it, why? Because there's always a reason. And for me, like, going out on the weekends was an escape from the fact that I was miserable on the inside, that I was unhappy, that I wasn't fulfilling my soul purpose. Now, last night, I was up till 3 a.m. doing readings. Wow. And I told myself, Look at you. It's Friday night. You put makeup on to stay at home and record content. You would have at least stepped out for a few hours five years ago. You know what I mean? You would not have been home with makeup on helping others. And I just think that the more that people dive into self-awareness, they will see the ways that they're settling. I think you two do a great job of bringing people on that are just very different and learning from that. That's helping you both be very self-aware because you're getting exposure to people who are not like you. You're getting exposure to situations that you otherwise are not going through. And I just think that so many people um, in reality have no clue why they do what they do. Yeah, it's like, you know, the episode that was released yesterday, um, you know, she has a neurological disorder where... She, her brain sends a different signal like when she's trying to walk and stuff, you know? So she has to wear, I mean, she's in a wheelchair. She gets tied really easily. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in mind. But listening to her talk about how happy she is in her life, you would have never thought, I mean, at least me, I never thought that she was so thankful and for everything, you know, even though she got dealt this card two, uh, three years ago, you know, like, all of a sudden she's in a wheelchair or using a, a cane or whatever. Right. But her positive outlook on life was just amazing. And our friend Mark, Bill Rachel Mark was talking about it to me yesterday. He was like, dude, her outtake, like in her faith is unbelievable. That's all I got. No, I think um, I think that people who have to go through like extreme struggles, like health wise or things like that, they find so many uh, ways that they have to physically adapt and mentally adapt to their situation because, 
you know, pain's not something that people can see from the outside or a neurological thing isn't something that people can see and understand from the outside. And so I think that those people go on like a soul journey of figuring their, their shit out and coming in tune with themselves a whole lot quicker than people who seem to have all of their stuff put together on the outside. Um, and that was something that I recently talked about on my Facebook too, was there are so many people who have like chronic pain or chronic illnesses and stuff who like hustle through. And, um, I don't think that they get like enough recognition for that. There's not enough platforms like what you guys are doing where you had, you know, them on to share her voice or whatnot, um, to hear people going through those kinds of struggles and to see the outlook that somebody can have. And you just think, you know, you had that person's energy in your orbit for just a little while while you were interviewing and that affected you. Imagine all of the people that she affects day to day who see her and who see her being happy through that and realize that. And that healing helps her with her soul journey of affecting other people in her world. So she probably is some kind of a healer, whether that be an energy healer without realizing it, or she helps to filter out other people's energy. Um, we were talking about like different kinds of witches and stuff earlier. We would think of that as like an energy witch where somebody's able to raise the vibrations of other people and um, raise their expectations of themselves because you can see that somebody else in a lower circumstance or what you would consider a lower circumstance is able to do that. Yeah, because she was saying after she started posting online, people have reached out to her that are suffering from the same element as her. And what's because her, her positivity and her uh, attitude is so great that it's actually helping them, you know, start getting their life back together and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, she's the opposite of energy vampire. Yeah. I love that. You know, some people underestimate their sole purpose because they think in the human mind that we have to make money on our life purpose or our sole purpose has to be something that's monetary. But sometimes your sole purpose is just being a nice human. You know, like I said, thanking a veteran or holding a door or donating something, every little bit of energy that you disperse into this universe, it's a ripple effect. Kind of like when you skip a rock on water, you don't see how it trickles all the way down. So even though on the surface, certain things are happening. You don't know what you're doing for people behind the scenes. Like right now, I keep looking down. Um, a monthly client of mine got her reading. I sent it at like 3 a.m. So she got it this morning. And one of the messages says, it's crazy that my mom came through in that reading because last night before I went to sleep, I asked my mom to come through. I was working on her reading at like 2.30 in the morning. She was probably asleep already. Her mom came through me. So it's like me choosing to stay up last night, like I said, and and the old me would have been going out and doing whatever. So last night I was celebrating myself with all the life changes I've made and how that's rippling into other people's life. And then she's texting me while we're talking about that, writing me all this feedback about how happy and amazing and blown away she is. And it's just like, I'm making decisions that not only benefit me, but they benefit future lineages of your family, of Gemini's family, of her family, because everything is energy. So like the girl you're speaking on, I have a friend who also uses canes and is in a wheelchair. And I met her through um, 
music and through a concert. And she also lives her life like that, like to the fucking fullest. And I mean, she's always going here, going there, taking Greyhound buses to random cities. I mean, she's wild with it. And she does things I would never think about doing, but she's also given me so much perspective because she's only 22 on what's possible. Because at times when I get down on myself, I'm like, but Megan doesn't let anything stop her. I need to be more like Megan. I need to do that as well. Because all of the physical obstacles that are in her path, she overcomes them. And it's like, I don't even have any of those physical obstacles, right? So it does put it in perspective when you see someone who's basically their life purpose is just to demonstrate to others that you can do it too, that you don't have to fall into the trap because you have everything that you need. And when they're making the most of the cards they were dealt, I think that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah, it's because like, if they're able to do that with all their, you know, have a wheelchair and, you know, cane and all that, and there's nothing physically wrong with you or myself or anyone or anyone or of us, what's stopping us from doing those things too, besides just not getting out there and doing it? A mental block. Yeah. And you know. like you could be mentally weak and not do something, be physically able. So I think that's the problem. You need to find out, like, why do we have mental blocks that stop us from doing stuff? Sometimes it's outside forces that stop us. Like, they're like, oh, you're not good enough, or you're never going to amount to anything, or I didn't do it, so I want to keep you down here with me. And so that's why it's like who you surround yourself around with, what kind of content you consume. Those are very powerful things. So if you're consumed with negativity or around a bunch of negative people, you're probably not going to want to achieve anything in life. I mean, I think it's it's so true. It's like they say you're some of the five people you hang out with, too. So, like, if you're around a bunch of people that are doing nothing type people or crabs in the bucket type people or people that just have no aspirations in life, you're probably not going to have any aspirations in life because everybody around you is doing the same shit. So it seems okay. It seems normal. And so if yeah, you see I somebody, I'm sorry, what you said? I was going to say, I think that it's so normal, too, for people to hold on to these friendships and relationships with like lower vibrations and people who aren't changing because there's the one, there's the family has to stick together. Right. And you do shit for family. So there are people who they want to get out and they want to start doing things, but they don't because they think that they're leaving their family behind or they're going to do better. Um, or I think that they've just known their friends for so long. They went to school with them, whatever they're still in the small town mentality and so they feel that it is, there's the word loyalty that goes around a whole lot where people think that because they've known somebody for a long time, that they have to be loyal to staying kind of in the same cycle with them and being there for them. But it's, you should always be more loyal to yourself and to your healing journey than you are to a physical person. And if somebody doesn't do anything for themselves, you're trying to go to school, you're trying to get a better job, you're trying to do this thing. And somebody's always trying to be your roommate or somehow pocket themselves into your come up, you're never forcing the people around you to elevate. And so who are you being loyal to if you're never showing people a different step that they could be taking, if that makes sense? No, it's so true. I mean, like you can have a bunch of people that are just uh, clinger ons or coattail riders and they don't do anything to add to your, your success. Like, um, I think you might end up having resentment towards those people if you start getting outside that sp that pocket too, because then you're going to see like, okay, what are these people actually doing to help me? 
Like I'm doing all this shit and they're not doing anything. Like so y'all thought with your podcast, you know, when you guys mentioned before, like you're good at marketing and she's good at the technical side. So it's just not all on one person to do everything. It's a balance. And we don't compete in our connection. I think that's where you two, I really like your energy and your podcast because I noticed that you both do different things, but I don't feel that competition. So many people are competing in their own personal relationships, whether it's with their partner, their spouse, their sibling, their parents, their friends. And I just think the one thing that works for Gemini and myself is that we don't compete. If I have the secret, I will give her the secret because she can maybe do something different. Um, I know when she was wanting to build up her TikTok, I told her all the things I did. She did it. She surpassed me in followers. And I was happy for her. My ego is like, wow, you know, she did better than you. But I'm like, no, she's doing great for both of us. Like, because not only is that proving to me that what I did worked, it's showing me that I could also teach someone those same you know, skills and it worked for them as well. And my mentor was like, do you think you could make a class like a master class on TikTok? And I'm like, I probably really could. So I think that more people need to expose their team to the secrets and not gatekeep the bullshit. I think that's what works is like, when you gatekeep in your own connections, you're holding yourself back. Because say that, she went to a million followers. Well, we have a whole brand together. That's only going to help our brand grow if she's growing like that on an exponential level. I don't see it as competition. Um, another great friend of mine, like I mentioned, got that 1500 likes on a fucking picture. I wrote her. I was like, girl, your booty is it needs to be seen by the masses. I will be your manager. Like, let's get it together. Like, she has a nice booty too. You'll have to tell them who it is. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me, send me that link. Send me that link for research like, purposes. <laughs> research. I'm like, sis, like, she, I mean, she got a Brazilian butt lift. Like, she did the surgery, but it works and it looks great. And I'm like, sissy, let me see. And she's like, literally, sissy, let me see. I swear it needs <laughs> to be on her. <laughs> that, that should be a t shirt. Literally, though, and I I mean, you know, there's that competition that America puts on the social media of like, well, I should be jealous of her because she looks hotter than me or whatever. But instead, I'm like, come sit on my face if you want. (laughs) I'm just letting you know, like, but I just think so many people see that as competition and I see it as like, wow, look at my friend. Look at her butt. I want you all to see it. Like, I'm trying to make sure you do see it. And I think it's funny because we've just been brainwashed as a society to constantly be in competition with each other. Did she have, like, zero ass before? Yeah, she had, like, just a normal girl body before, but they took all the fat from every place that they could and put it Not all- a normal girl body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she had, like, a normal girl body, yeah. So how did she get it done? Like, did she have to, like, how do you sleep? Or sit down, like when you're coming back. She couldn't sit down for six weeks. She had to be on her knees and a floorboard of a car. She couldn't drive. She did it in Miami. I have no clue how she got home. Um, She actually went through a lot of, like, infections and things happening. Hmm. I think the Brazilian butt lift is one of the most deadly surgeries that you could get. And she went through like a lot of infections and stuff. And now that she's healed and looking snatched, I'm like, baby, people need to see this. Like, not just for likes. Like, yeah, you posted a picture we could have sold. 
for free. And I understand you want that recognition, but baby, 1500 likes. Imagine if 1500 people gave you $10. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. Like, no, if I go and my butt's getting infected and everything else for like the (laughs) end goal, I'm showing everybody what it looks like at Uh, the end. uh, Because I watched a video on YouTube uh, about two months ago and it was on Brazilian butt lifts. And literally this girl flew down to Mexico from wherever she lived or from the States, she flew down. Then she had to drive back up because she couldn't sit on the plane, right? She can't sit. And she was just laying like a cargo van, like put like, they put like a little bed in there. And like somebody drove her back to wherever she lived. Like that's insane for six weeks. You can't do shit. Like, how do you, how do you poop? I don't know. Honestly, oh, that's a good question. I didn't think about the pooping. I want to say that when they get that surgery, there is some type of catheter type mm. bag in the beginning. Um, in your I booty think, hole, you just got a tube up there that you can just shit in I bag? Oh, so. I, I think so. And honestly, I don't know how people do that. I personally have no ounce of me that wants to do any of that, even if it's super hot and sexy and fun, whatever. I just personally don't want to go through that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, And I don't care that much about how other people perceive me. Um, I think for her, it has been a big breakthrough in her like modeling and stuff, because obviously she has the most ideal body type for men. I mean, the huge ass and the small waist or whatever people like, but I mean, it's kind of like with Kim Kardashian's getting hers taken out. I just think it's a phase. I'm not going to do anything permanent to my body besides a tattoo anytime soon. I mean, I know tattoos go in and out of phases, um, but I just think that, it's a traumatic experience. There's no way like not being able to set, not being able to do certain things for a long time. I don't know how she did it. I really don't. And now I'm just like her biggest hype man. And I'm like, girl, this is not a free booty pick. This is. I hope she makes an OF or something and earns back all the money that she spent on that Brazilian that everybody's just watching on the internet. I promise you that shit can't be cheap, right? I mean, it was fifteen thousand. I think fifteen thousand. Fifteen. Oh, either still. way, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but this is what she wanted to move, advance her career, and now yeah. she's going to be only she's going to be point zero one percent of the after your management. Uh, you're going to get her there. Yes, Polly Pocket Management. I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> I really feel like I could, like, it's funny because sometimes, like, we can manage other people better than we can ourselves as spiritual practitioners. I can see other people's timelines a lot easier because I'm not biased. Like, I'm biased to what I want, right? So, those bias kind of conflict energy. So I do feel like I could be a manager for someone and get them really far. But then myself, I also want a manager for me, right? Like I'll be your manager, but I want my own manager. And I just think right now I'm manifesting like a team, like a makeup artist and like people that can help take me next level because it is a lot to wake up, have to do your own hair and makeup, plan your outfits for a photo shoot, promote yourself, market yourself, post yourself like it's a lot and i think that's where you know bunny we talk about bunny a lot with jelly roll they have a really great management team that they've built in the last three years that like bunny said without these people she would not be where she is right now because it took her a lot longer by herself because now she's not focusing on doing her makeup she's not focusing on making the the content she's just recording and then they make the content then they post the content and i think um I think right now I'm just kind of 
recognizing my strengths and kind of taking that to the next level. But I do think some people like my friend, for instance, she doesn't see what could actually happen because she's biased to her own insecurities, her own fears, like even getting all that surgery, you still have insecurities. We all do. Right. So I just think that, you know, me being able to see that and hype her up probably really could push her to the next level. But I think so many people look at girls that get surgeries or do OF and they judge and they don't know what actually even pushed them to do those things. Hey, I'll never knock a girl that has an OnlyFans because why? What's the point? You're fucking, you're good looking, got a great body and you want to make some good money. Go for it. I love it. Hey, fuck I yeah. support OnlyFans to the maximum. And I think it's funny when people are like, Oh, you're judging everybody for posting their cash app. No. If you said there was booty pictures attached to the cash app, post it, baby. Because now you're now we're there's an energy exchange, but you're just begging for shots and money and and whatever. And I don't like that. But if you post your OnlyFans, I'm with it. Cause I had someone try to backlash and they're like, you sound like the girls that would that would um post about people and their OnlyFans. And I'm like, most of my really great friends are on OnlyFans. And I love it. If I had the depth to deal with the people, because from what I understand, like the people that message you after they've paid for your content, it's just like absurd. You know, like that's why my friend deleted hers because she said it's just so toxic and degrading even. And if you don't have like that strong reserve to be able to deal with that, it's toxic. So a lot of girls with the OnlyFans have someone that's micromanaging it and actually replying and sexting and talking to those people. But I couldn't do that. Like I could, I could do the content in a heartbeat and feel no shame. But as far as like when people message you and they're like, I want to see someone pee on you, or I want to see this. I'm like, Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably, you're probably sexting some like 25 year old dude. I can't wait to pound it. Yeah, baby. Give it to me. Give it to me. And some guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's not okay. It's real. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> Man, that's, but OnlyFans is here to stay. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be around forever now because with all the, you know, all the money that everyone's making, especially the company itself, with the part they take from everybody, like, unless something better comes up and it's cheaper, then people will probably have OnlyFans and that, you know, but. Well, the rapper Tyga, um, like a year ago when OnlyFans announced they were going to take sex workers off of there, they were going to change their terms of service. Um, Tyga, the rapper, announced that he was dropping his own platform that was going to take less money. I don't know if it ever came out or what it was even called, but they were going to basically remove all the sex workers. And then they realized that that's 95% of their creators. And they were like, oh, wait, we're not going to do that. Because the government was giving them a lot of backlash on it during the pandemic and stuff. Because I believe like they didn't want to see people win from home. They didn't want people to know they didn't have to go back to that nine to five. You know what I mean? They didn't want people to break that box or break that mold. But, you know, there's a lot that goes on on OnlyFans. I know that um, I'm keeping that in my back pocket, like in the back of my mind, every time that corporate America gets me further and further away from like my happiness, I'm like, you could always start an OnlyFans. You could always start an OnlyFans. I tell her all the time. I would totally need a manager to deal with that that thing online. You could have <laughs> you could have Jeremiah as your man uh, micro manager. She could reply to all the guys for you and stuff. Or girls. I would do that. <laughs> I'll film. I'm here. Only fans launching soon. Twenty twenty 
three, January 2023. Put it in the atmosphere. Put it out there. And her, and her whole brand is already cherries and she's always saying it's pop. And so you just imagine that's her whole thing. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's get you branded and marketed and let's go. I love it. Do it. Do it. Everyone listening, go follow me because you might get the link in the future. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what is your like an episode of your podcast would be like? Um, So we try to keep it really current. Like we don't record too far in advance. And typically we have topics like sometimes it's like, you know, boundaries. Um, We do manifestation. We talk about like soul ties. We've talked about like twin flames. We talk about... um you know, misconceptions about spiritual people. Like I can be spiritual and still beat your ass at the same time. Like, you know, like, I feel like there's all this like taboo energy that we're exposing. So people can see it from a different perspective instead of like what they were told or what they were taught. Um, I think too, we talk about uh, a lot of things that just happen in our life and how we are um, getting through that because neither one of us is really big on focusing on the problem. We're really big on trying to find the solution to that and trying to find, um, what energy we want to connect to in order to get through something that's going to actually like help do that. And so I think that's what we do. And we, we provide like actual healthy friendship on the podcast too, because like Paige mentioned earlier, we don't have a competition in our friendship. We don't have a competition with the other women or whatever that we're meeting in life. Both of us kind of have this energy of if you do something better than I do and I'm in a room with you, I'm going to have you spit game to me and I'm going to come out of that room elevated and learning how to do something different. And there really isn't a whole lot of that and, and big examples of that. There's a lot of, you know, people want to cherry, tear each other down or, or have a competition. And so, I think that the people that we're kind of bringing with us on the podcast right now have been people who need those healthy friendships where we do have differences of opinions on a lot of things, or we do have ways that we do things differently in life, but we're able to always find a common ground on that and communicate and figure out what we can learn from each other on something. And so I think that's what we're about. What were some of the challenges you ran into when you first started podcasting? Um, we haven't had any challenges that I know of. Only thing that's happened, um, we planned a shit ton of interviews during Mercury retrograde and they're just not working out either, you know, last minute something's came up or someone's double booked or, you know, whatever. So I do think that we started the podcast and then planned a bunch of stuff in advance and it hasn't worked out always, but I'm real big. Um, I know Jim and I always compliments this. I'm real big on divine time. Like if something got rescheduled or I got delayed or caught by a train or a red light or whatever, I just take that as that's where I'm supposed to be at that moment. I don't resist the obstacles or the flow of the universe. Like if something needs to be rescheduled, that there's a reason because something is going to happen in between that new date and the old date that needs to now be discussed. So I think um, when it's just us, everything goes pretty smoothly. It's, you know, adding in the guest that's been a little different. I wouldn't say it's been any obstacles. I will say that it's kind of like with anything, you know, even at the beginning of this podcast, 
we all kind of stumble and tumble over each other's words until we get a flow and then you can kind of see the flow. So I think every guest episode, there's that first like 10 minutes where we're all kind of stumbling and mumbling, trying to figure out who's about to talk. But once we get into the flow, I feel like all the guest interviews have been amazing. Um, We've had some people uh, that were supposed to come on the podcast and then they were being really fucking weird. Like one girl literally was (laughs) at school. Yeah, so we had her scheduled. She's in. It's like, okay, well, I'm at the pool. Is that going to be a problem? And we're like, yeah, you know, we did say that it needs to be quiet. Like, this is audio and video. Not really sure the pool is going to work. Let's reschedule. So we rescheduled her. No problem. Like, I didn't care at all. We rescheduled her for the following week. Well, about 10 minutes before the recording, she's like, well, I need to know what questions we're going to talk about. We're like, well, it's not really (laughs) questions. It's more of like a, um, a conversation. Yeah kind of thing and she was like well i i don't really like that like i need to know what we're talking about and we're like well did you even listen to any of the episodes and she's like no i haven't checked it out and we're like you asked us to come onto our podcast and you haven't even listened to it so then she was like basically i kind of got like real with her and i was just like honestly i would have expected you to have done some homework on the podcast we don't send out questions it's not a questionnaire we don't want to know about your trauma we want to know about your spiritual awakening you know your journey that's leading you to here and the woman literally started bashing me in the group text and was like, Gemini, I just want you to know that this energy is going to bring down your brand and you are who you hang out with. And she is negative and best luck to both of you. She and called you a cunt. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. She <laughs> went off on me then said that my energy was going to bring down our brand. And then she went in to say that this is the reason that both of our TikToks are not getting engagement. And we're thinking like, lady, the only reason your TikTok's getting engagement is because you're talking about sex. That's what she talks about. Sex facts and sexual education. So I'm like, we already know why you're getting attention because you're wearing nurse outfits with your titties out talking about sex. And you want to tell me that I'm not getting interaction, but you asked to be on our platform. How did she find you guys? She followed me on TikTok and she asked me if she could be on the Coven of Rejects podcast. And um, like I said, or like Paige said, all she had was sex facts on there. And so I'm like, I actually like, you know, there wouldn't be a reason to have you on Coven. Um, but, you know, maybe we could figure out something. Or, or I said, I uh, it wouldn't align with Coven. And she goes, well, what about your other podcast? And so I talked to Paige. We looked at her page and we're like, okay, she's cute. You know, and we we talked. And she had asked me what what we would be talking about, what the podcast is about. And I said, you know, this is an elevation manifestation podcast. We talk about like friendship and, you know, whatever and supporting each other and all, all the things that I told you. And she was super here for it. And then one of her things was, I thought you want, I thought you guys would want to talk to me about all the traumas that I've been through. And that's kind of what set Paige off was she's like, that that literally goes against everything that we've said that the podcast is about. Did you didn't listen to an episode? And so that's when she got upset. Mm. Yeah. And then she said that I was um gatekeeping, that, you know, this is why I'm not getting anywhere and all these things and like started bashing me. And it's funny because my Instagram is made in Kentucky. And so I've always identified with like the word cunt, not as like oh, I think I'm a cunt. It's just like, if I take the power away from men from thinking that hurts my feelings and I 
make light of it, you can't hurt me. Like, I don't mind. Like, if I was dating someone, they're like, yeah, that's my bitch. I wouldn't give a fuck. Like, that shit doesn't bother me. But it's when you disrespect me and, like, my mission that bothers me. Telling me that I'm not getting anywhere because of XYZ or I'm not getting engagement. But you're the one that reached out to us. And so then now we've made a rule. If you reach out to us, we don't want you on the podcast. Sorry. Because if you're not interesting enough for me to reach out to you, then it's not aligned. So we don't vet each other on who can come on. Like she sets people up. I set people up and we just kind of like, hey, we want this person. But if they ask us, I feel like it's a red flag for me. We've had, I think, I think that the two instances that we've had this one and one other one where it just didn't work out were people that reached out to us. And so we're both kind of like, that's weird. We also had an experience where like uh, a guy had been interested in Paige and was asking to be on the podcast and she just kind of ignored it. So then he followed me and messaged me and asked to be on the podcast. So we just kind of ignore that and slide it to the side, you know? Um yeah, but the, yeah, I think the dude that I literally like, he's a musician and and he's from Kentucky and I literally have his phone number and you're going to reach out to my co-host and ask her to be on our podcast. But you do, I don't know you. Um, those are the only I think those are the only kinds of things that are have come up, though, where it's been like. I think we don't align with thirsty energy. And so I think that's what's come up that that we don't like. But as far as hiccups in the road with the podcast itself or with us working together or anything like that there's never been any kind of issue there yeah that's the so like i i give people you know their first off when i ask somebody to be on the podcast thanks for replying to my dm and stuff like that right and then i usually talk to the person maybe three days out before they're supposed to come on the weekend hey we still good for whatever date in you know time and like, yeah, 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 you know, of course. Uh, and then they don't show when they're supposed to be on, you know? It's like, dude, I could have booked a different episode or or girl. I could have di- booked a different epi- person. And now we don't, we're not going to be able to record. And my next one's not till four on, on Saturday or whatever it was, you know? But like, yeah, things happen. So they, they'll reach back out to me or whatever. Oh man, you know, I've got, or something, this came up. Oh, no big deal. Let's just reschedule. You fuck, you burn me twice i'll never ask you again like i'm not gonna because that's probably gonna happen a third time you know and then a fourth time but instead i, I can use and just book somebody else hey i appreciate it man i don't like you said i just don't think it's gonna work out the end do you guys prefer just one-on-one or with a guest um i really like our one-on-ones but i'm actually really loving our guest as well like I I'm kind of like torn because I love when we record and it's just us because I feel like it's very raw and unfiltered and then of course with a guest we're throwing in another energy so I think that the flow when it's just us is like on point it's perfect we figured it out but when there's a guest there's always that first 10 minutes where we're talking over each other or stumbling in the conversation. Um, But so far we've gotten great feedback on the guest episodes. Like people that um, have came on have talked about like mental health and being neurodivergent or being autistic and different things. And I think it's helped a lot of people so far, just being exposed to that from a spiritual aspect of it, knowing like, 
there's nothing wrong with me. This is just who I am. This is just how my brain works. It's just how my body works. And so I think where society teaches you that's bad, exposing people to it in a positive way, in an elevating way, like, yeah, my life hasn't been easy, but look at what I've done with it. Look how I use it. I think it inspires people to take their own flaws or their own insecurities and try to make something of it. I have a lot of people that have blocked me, like friends that have just blocked me on all social media since starting the podcast. I think some of them are on the jealous side of like, well, I wanted to start a podcast or I want to do this. Or they're on the other side of it where maybe they didn't really know who I was. They were just attracted to me because they thought they would get something out of it. And the more they're learning about me, they see that I see through their bullshit. So instead of calling them out later, they just distance themselves and block themselves on their own. Have, do do they get mad that you don't ask them to be on the episode, be a guest? Yeah, yep. <laughs> like some sometimes I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, I got you. I'm like, what are we gonna talk about though? Like, you know, like I got a couple of people that ask me every now and then. I'm like, what are we gonna talk about, man? Like, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> Some people think that they're a lot more interesting than they really are. And then you go to have a conversation with them and you're like, so you got anything you were going to talk about or what are we doing here? Yeah, it just, I don't know. We did, we did, we did, we did an episode the other day or I think last, yeah, last, last, last week. And I'm sitting there just talking to the guy and, you know, he's giving these bullshit answers and, you know, just having conversation and stuff. And I could just tell Tony was getting upset, like not like physically or, you know, like he was like, man, God damn this, you know, it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, and finally Tony asked him these three, his three questions he always wraps up the episode with. And he's like, well, I already know what you're going to answer, but try not to answer with that. And like, you know, just like, dude, like, they're so draining, man. I think so many people want exposure to a platform because they're not putting in any work on their own life. I think that anyone who has hobbies or, or in touch with their own soul, they have things to talk about, you know, and I and I love um, when you do episodes with people in the fitness industry because I don't have a lot of exposure to that. But it really has helped me listening to some of those people with those weight loss journeys that you all bring on because I'm like, Holy fuck. So shout out to all the people that are listening that will hear that. That is so inspiring because a lot of those people have more perseverance and more passion and more drive in their fucking pinky than people do in their whole existence of life. And I think that there's a big breakthrough right now in the fitness community of just being very accepting of where you're at on your own personal journey. And just doing it anyways. And I know we talked about that last time. Like, there's so many days that I'm like, I don't want to go to the gym. But I'm going to go to the gym today. And then I'm going to go get a margarita and some queso. Because it's called balance, baby. Boom. Boom. I don't shame myself. Boom, boom, boom. You said it. It's all about balance. Yeah, you know, I did did a little good workout at the gym. Let's go get those margs, girl. And boom, there we are. Do you not like margaritas, Tony? (laughs) Oh, man. Have you guys... um, have you guys uh, seen Iron Sanctuary? Mm-mm. I don't think so. What's that about? So you guys should you guys should look up his Instagram because I actually think that he would be a dope guest for you guys. Um, but Iron Sanctuary, he does fitness and stuff like that, but he also talks a lot about 
like mental health. And he's, he's recorded, he's on TikTok too, but he's basically done videos and recorded his whole journey of elevating his mindset and his body and things like that. And he's so positive and he has a, he's very, he has a wife and he doesn't only fans as well. And like, he gets a lot of, I saw a video the other day on TikTok. He gets a lot of backlash from people, from women about like, what would your wife say? And he's like, my wife's the one like giving me tips. You know, you guys <laughs> giving me tips on what to do to thirst trap you so that you go to my OF and I can go and take her out to dinner and, and stuff like that. I think uh, you guys would really vibe with his energy, but he's, he, cause he does more than just fitness. He talks about fitness, but he also incorporates all these other things that it seems like uh, you guys like to post on your platform as well. Oh, I'm looking at his page right now, and you're absolutely right. He would be a great guest. Are you turned on by him or something? No, like, I'm fucking talking about, like, well, <laughs> he, is. He, likes the, he likes the oiled up abs. Don't let him. I mean, goddamn. Oh, man. I'm about to peep it out right now, too. So I, can, <laughs> I can see what we're doing. His name is, um, his, his name is Kevin. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And what's your friend? What's the other girl's name that you mentioned? Oh yeah, the one uh, that I'm the doing BBL research. Girl. Yeah, for research. You sent it to me in a message. <laughs> I'm gonna send it to you right now. All right. I'll do it right now. I'm just gonna I'm gonna send it to the link up page, and I'm gonna send you the picture she posted, and you're gonna love it. And actually, it's really funny because me and her sat on Facetime for like two hours last night because unfortunately, the guys that I'm attracted to attract to her but she would not look at them in a million years like she would straight look past them for a well-dressed like hispanic man or something like she's just not her type tattooed skinny white boys are not her type and i'm like why do i like these douchebags that blow up your instagram and she's like well don't feel bad i've never looked at either one of them a day in my life and we laughed <laughs> so hard like last night she was making me cry we were laughing so hard is that who was doing it yes it was oh so i good. love her we're gonna be best friends because i just getting the the messages of we her just telling her men off. podcast and just air out all the things that i think that through. we should as like a as a girl, just airing out what we go through as a female. Do y'all seeing it? You liking it? I'm sending to Raul right now. <laughs> do you do you approve, Tony? Do you like it? She's nice, man. She looks like a good <laughs> Shout personality. Out Erica. Great personality. Shout out yeah. Erica. She had to She's go through a lot of shit for that there. booty, but it looks good. She also ice skates. She's really interesting. I love her. She's one of my best friends, and she's a badass bitch. She's hot, hot. Oh, so I saw you posted a story the other day about feminine men. I posted it today. It's oh, was it today too? I tagged, her. I tagged her. Yeah, I posted. Well, I posted again how the audacity that most men in this generation want to be treated like a lady. <laughs> so, what do you mean by that? I mean, they want us to text them first. They want us to to go Dutch. They want us to drive everywhere. They want us to you know, hype them up. I, every dude I've talked to, I always ask them their love languages. Every single one of them have said words of affirmation. So bro, you want me to tell you you look good? Your dick big? What What do you want me to tell you? Like words of affirmation for me would be like, you inspire me or I love the way you make me feel because of how you do this. Not your boobs look nice and your pussy's right. You know what I mean? Like that's not the words of affirmation I'm looking for, but these dudes literally want me to be like, 
wow, you're so strong and you're so this. And it's just like, they want me to pump up their ego in a way. And I'm just like, it's funny that so many men have said that words of affirmation is their love language, because I feel like that's almost a female love language or it used to be. And I'm not saying men don't have feelings and men shouldn't be validated. I'm just saying that in this day and age, these boys, we're calling them boys. They want us to court them. They want me to court them when I have 500 people wanting to court me. It's like, that's not how this works. It doesn't matter if I have 500 people trying to get with me. I'm trying to get with you and I need you to get your head in the game and pay attention to me because the first minute that you start ignoring me, I'm not more attracted to you. I'm turned off. I'm completely turned off by you. So it's like they like the chase, I guess. Yes. Yes. So I would assume you probably don't like Bumble then. I've never used it. I've I've literally only had Tinder back in college when it was in its beta phase and you had to have an EDU email to make a Tinder. That was the only time I ever had a Tinder. It was like 2010. Mm. So I recently downloaded it. And I'll be honest, I always prided myself that you could go to like, you know, you know how like Apple, any app you've ever downloaded, it's linked to mm-hmm. your Apple ID. I've always prided myself that I had no dating apps ever downloaded. So I've never had Hinge, Bumble, Plenty of Fish, any of that downloaded to my Apple ID. Because some dudes are insecure and they want to know what apps you have on your phone or like if you have it on your phone. So I've always just prided myself on not being on those apps. But I've had dudes that will literally get into my DMs on a dating app and bash me and be like, you're just doing this because you're a self-centered bitch who wants attention. And, you know, we know you don't have trouble dating. So it's just, it's just a joke that you're on here. Nobody ever says that in person though, because that's how you get punched in the throat. You 100% like there's so much stuff that people say online that would never say to somebody's face. Like, like you'll make a comment about a girl's post. Oh, girl that you're fat. Why you post that? Like you would never say to that, to that girl in real life. And yeah, but the dudes not, that say that are always the ones who have the profile picture where it's hella dark and it's from like a weird angle and he's holding a fish or they like, look it's like, never from anybody with something good going on. Or they literally look like a thumb. Like they look like a thumb. that's how these dudes look to me. And you know, honestly, I just feel like, me being so powerful and independent and I really don't need you for anything. I want you in my life. I think that also intimidates people these days because they realize that they can't control you, that you're not going to need them to, to do anything for you and that they're actually going to have to be authentic and attentive and consistent with you. And they don't like that. People don't like consistency. They want to be half in, half out, get the perks of a relationship, but not actually fulfill the duties of a relationship. So what's your ideal type of man? Unfortunately, I'm attracted to dudes that look like convicts. So that's that's really a problem right now. My tattoo <laughs> artist is my best friend and he always pushes me through of are they cute page or do they just have tattoos? And if they just have tattoos, we then will inspect their tattoos together and he will make fun of 90% of them. Yes. Oh my, so, he's my favorite. Yeah. So he keeps me together. Um, recently I was kind of crushing on a dude and I'm going to call myself out. He had a famous F. Do y'all know what the famous F is? Is that the Travis Barker thing? Yep. Travis Barker thing. Back in like the early two thousands, people would get that tattooed with like the word family Mm. using that 
F. So there's this dude that I was kind of crushing on that was, he's attractive, but he has on his forearm this big famous F with like the family. And I kept telling my tattoo artist, I'm like, okay, he's cute from here up. But when you start looking at his tattoos, it looks like a jungle book. Like some of them are okay. And some of them look like they were done in the back of a Toyota Corolla. So I'm like, and so we laughed about that for like literally three days and then dude ghosted me. And so now there's like this running joke about the dude with the famous F ghosting me, but then was on my friend Erica's post, the girl I just sent y'all commenting. So last night she was making fun of him hard and she was like, I'm about to reply to his comment. So she replied to his comment was like, you're dusty. You were trying to talk to my best friend and that's broke boy energy or something. I just read that comment. <laughs> I just read that. I was like, damn, girl, she's calling you out, somebody out. <laughs> like, I was like, Shit. that's him. That's the famous F. Oh. So, how do you feel about Andrew Tate? I, was, I wasn't exposed <laughs> to him until he kind of did his downfall. Yeah. I never watched any of his videos. I just saw people talking about his videos. So, I think he's an idiot, but I'm really glad that. Instagram and everybody shut him down. I don't think that we should be teaching young men that women are property. Um, I think we had enough of that from our grandfathers and whoever. So I think like, fuck that energy. Um, I never watched any of his content or any of his videos. He never came up on my for you page. I only saw him only when the feminist women were talking about him. Yeah. He just got banned from literally everything. I saw I think you sent me the video. He got banned from Uber. Like he got, he's been, he's, oh, he's, 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 he's getting banned from everything. He's like, man, when the, when they turn on the matrix on you, it's over. If they want you off everything, you're off everything. There's nothing you can do, but go on shows like yours and stuff like that. And then, Will you, um, are you familiar with Hunter Moore, the dude who mm-hmm. made the revenge porn? Yeah. Okay. Well, they released a documentary about him on Netflix. It's called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. I was in the Hunter Moore era. We actually were little thotties on Twitter that would tag Hunter Moore in like provocative pictures, just hoping he would reshare them. Like, it was never like no one revenge porned me. I was doing it to myself in my self sabotaging mode. And I remember how active Twitter would be with him on it. And then he went to jail and all of that. He's banned from all social media. Now that he's out of jail, he cannot make a Facebook. It's like part of his plea deal that he can never have social media again. And I think that's crazy because like they were saying about him, it's the same thing with Andrew Tate. You will be nothing without your minions and your followers. You're nobody. You're nothing. So, you know, people think that they're, untouchable and that they'll always have that following but you do one wrong thing and like you said you're cut what was it that got him cut uh banned started getting banned from everywhere who hunter moore uh no uh andrew tate they actually don't even give a reason why they banned his account mm-hmm. i don't know if there was a reason I think he said it was hate speech and it's against community guidelines. And since freedom of speech is only an American right, it's not an, a, a right that Instagram or Facebook has to implement. Like, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, that's free of freedom of speech. No, it's not freedom to use this platform to say whatever you want. Yes, you have freedom of speech, but now no one's listening. So I think that they basically probably, you know, I'm sure the FBI was probably involved, you know what I mean? Like clearly. And I'm sure because since the American government really controls everything that we do, 
they just told Instagram and Facebook you're taking him off there. But then again, probably the government's got 75% stock in Meta. You know what I mean? Like, because the FBI does everything through Facebook these days, like I was on jury duty and you would just be shocked that when they subpoena your Instagram account, how Instagram provides the information. I'm talking, they give you a PDF, baby. You can see every live, every motherfucking comment, every like, everything that you've ever done on that platform is now in a PDF file. And they're pulling it up in jury duty and we're going through it and watching people's lives where they're talking about killing people, talking about, yeah, you better stay off the streets like your boy. And they have it, all of it. So I just think the FBI probably wanted to take that Andrew Tate dude down. But do you yeah. think that that's kind of scary for everybody else that they have like the Meta does that to people where they just ban people's accounts? Say like a woman that posts provocative pictures to, in their mind and then they'll just delete her account. Like, don't you well, think that's kind of scary, too, though? Yeah, well, I think the reason that they bash the sex workers is because now there's not a white man making money off of it. If Hollywood's making money on the sex, it's fine. If the porn industry is making money on it, it's fine. I feel like a lot of this is like patriarchy bullshit and how the white man and I'm white and I can't stand white men, to be honest, not not to be like racist towards my own kind. But it's like they're so far back on like what they think women and, and minorities should be doing. I think it's a control thing. And I think it's well we can't have you making money on OnlyFans because now I'm not profiting from that. But if you're sold into the, you know, that Hollywood industry as a young child, well, I'm making money on that. I'm making money off you for life, like with Britney Spears or whoever. It's like when you're easily controlled and they can profit off of it, it's fine. But as soon as you get out of the box and you've got your own platform and you've got an audience, it's like, you know, Michael Jackson, like, I think that they totally tarnished his public reputation mm -hmm. in order to control him because musicians have a level of respect that they could say, let's overthrow the government. And guess what? Everybody's ready to go. You know what I mean? So I just think like a lot of the people in the spotlight are being so manipulated behind the scenes that now with social media, people take their own spotlight and can do whatever they want with it. And then, yes, I think it is scary how they can just control that. I think that goes into the whole cancel culture thing, though. Like, if you should just be allowing people to have their voices without filtering everybody out, and then people can make the choice for themselves. I never saw any of Andrew's Tate, uh, Andrew Tate's content either. I just know that, you know, the things that I have seen are, you know, him talking about how a woman is his property. And, you know, he has to give permission for his woman to be able to do this, this or that. Or um, I think it was my husband who was telling me that he watched an interview where he was talking about how he wants a woman that's a 10, but he wants her to have never had any of the experiences that he wants to take her on. Like, if he's going to take her on a yacht, he wants her to have never seen a yacht before and for the first experience to be with him. And so then you're wanting somebody who doesn't have any like knowledge of the world that you're in. And it's a totally different world when you have millions of dollars or all of this money and you're going and doing all of these things. You've got, you know, different kinds of communication, different people that you're around. Um, and I think that, you know, somebody who is confident in themselves and their success with things is going to want to have somebody with them who's going to be able to enjoy things on that level and be able to um, like hold themselves inside certain situations and who is going to be able to 
like handle themselves. I feel like if I was a man and I was trying to be having a woman who is around all of these other, you know, rich and elite men, I would want a woman who was used to that so that she isn't going to be uncomfortable when sexual advances are made by somebody that's really wealthy. And she doesn't feel like she has to do it because that is somebody in power because she has the experience not to. So if you're really trying to like build and have, you know, respectful relationship with somebody. It's not about a woman who's going to do whatever you want. It's about somebody who has a balanced life experience. And, you know, you want, because you should be looking out for the person that you are in love with and that you have. It shouldn't be somebody who's just there to look good and is super naive and stupid to everything going on and doesn't understand your world. So you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. I wonder if like his whole thing is like a persona, like, you know, like he just lets people believe that's how he is. And maybe he's completely different behind closed doors. Maybe, but why would you want, why would, if you're going to put a persona out there and you're going to have, you know, the world think something of you, why would you want somebody to think that you're a chauvinistic douchebag? Because we're talking about him. Everybody's talking about him. Like he was nobody. I didn't know who he was like a year ago. And then I started seeing things slowly, but surely everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere you looked, you saw this guy all of a sudden. And now everybody, nobody can stop talking about him. And but if everybody sees you and everybody talks about you, but you're getting kicked off all these platforms and all these avenues that pay you, how does that, how does that help you? If you lose so many opportunities, another one will probably arise. But I think that's the thing though. Like, a lot of the stuff he got banned from, like TikTok, he didn't have a TikTok account. And the most of the stuff he posted on his Instagram didn't have anything to do with what they're saying that he was posting. It was like clips from other people were like posted on TikTok or Instagram. And so I think that's the thing, too. Sometimes, like, I don't agree with everything he said. There's some stuff that he says to men that I agree with. Like, he tells men not to be lazy, um, to be your best self. Like, I think there's a lot of things that he said about men that is good that a lot of guys don't actually do. But if you don't like delve into something that somebody says, somebody just clips something you said, or they can like change it around. I mean, anything can happen. We can say something today and somebody could just post a clip of it and it sounds bad. So I think, um, I think the issue though is when they just blanket wipe somebody off the internet, because who else could they do that to? Why are they trying to silence him? Like, you know that I don't know, and I'm I'm more intrigued by him now than I ever have been. I oh, think they're bigger now than since he got canceled. Because his brothers, his did his brother get canceled too? Because his brother, okay, so his brother's the one that's in the videos with him with Tristan with the hair. Okay, with the hair. All right, and like I don't know, it's crazy because everybody everybody talks about him. Like he was just on a big, big podcast interview. It was like five hours long. And the host of that podcast is like really, really respected and well-known. So he was taking a big chance by bringing him on there as a guest. But he got his, I mean, I haven't watched, I'm not going to watch it. It's five hours. Um, Like, you know. No, but I agree with you guys about like the misogynistic shit. I don't agree with that at all. But I do think, like I said, if he would have left that stuff alone and just focused more on the stuff about men and like just being a better person in general, not even gender, really just being a better person. I think that would be more beneficial, but salacious stuff, you know, 
drama is what controversy. Yeah, it gets yeah. you in the news. Yeah, that's true. And that's what gets the thing, ratings. This goes back to like for me, like when Pam and Tommy's sex tape came out. You know what I mean? Like all publicity in some way benefits your career. And I, I mean, it's the same thing. Like when that crazy rapper six, nine dude, like yeah. when he was doing crazy stuff, he was in the spotlight. Now I haven't heard a peep out of him. You know, it's like people nowadays in the world of constant stimulation, you have to do something controversial to stay relevant. And I think that's why Britney Spears does what she does, even though she's not all mentally there. That bitch could make an OnlyFans and make 50 million, but yet she's posting these nudes for free. I think people do things to stay extra relevant. I think um, fear and negativity spreads faster than love and positivity. So me and Gemini can talk until we're blue in the face about manifestation and growth. But it's first time I want to go and bash whoever I'm getting more views. I'm getting more content. Just like when I post something controversial or whatever on Facebook, it gets all these comments, like hundreds of likes and like 80 comments. But we share something about the podcast. It got 300 views, but three likes. So it's like, I know you're seeing it, but you don't want to support it because it's out of your comfort zone because you're used to being in drama or you're used to being in a low jealousy, envious vibration. So you can't even fathom supporting someone who's trying to do the opposite of that. Well, it's got, I feel like you just said you wanted Brittany to sign you as a manager so that she can make 50 million. That's what I just said. (laughs) But it's like, you know, that's why TMZ is so popular across the world. You can go to that website and look at all the gossip you want, all the dirt, because they fucking have it on I everybody. Mean, that's not a new thing. I mean, just yeah. think about like when you go to the grocery store, all those tabloid inquire. Oh, oh, yeah. All that shit's always been around. It's just um, now it's more accessible to more people. Because of the internet? Yeah. I mean, yeah. people love people love drama, man. People love controversy. I know. I saw something that said, can you all stop telling people to not post their drama because I like reading it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. I just think it's um, I think it's a slippery slope when they start just banning people or canceling people like okay. some people, I think, deserve it. Like what fucking um, what's that guy? The, Sandy Hook. Alex. Alex Jones. Alex Jones yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're saying like stuff that's going to, like you're basically saying these people are lying that their kids are not here anymore. I mean, that's just fucking wild. But he got sued and he actually is going to have to pay a settlement to all those people. Yeah, I heard that they voted or they, yeah, they, he has to pay a shitload. It's like yeah, millions of dollars. But he was making a shitload. I think he was making like $800,000 a day or some shit like that. Was his thing called InfoWars or something like that? Like, what no, are, that's, uh, isn't that Ben Shapiro's thing? Oh, okay. No, maybe, I don't know. What is it? I thought it was InfoWars because I used to be like. Right. Honestly, I used to like conspiracy theories. Isn't he the ex-Marine or the ex-Navy dude? Oh, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, it is Alex Jones. What is Ben Shapiro's thing? I think right now with the internet, we're just overly um, stimulated. We're overly desensitized. And so people have to get the controversy out there. It's kind of like with Kanye West. People need that controversy to survive in this culture of constant stimulation, constant media, constant interaction. And I think that's the way people stay relevant. I think that a lot of these celebrities, we've talked about it before on our podcast, they don't give a fuck about you. They don't care what you're thinking about them. They don't care what you say about them. They do things for pure entertainment because they're entertainers. 
100%. It's like, why do you get so mad and been out of shape when you're, let's say, just say football team loses? Like, do you actually care, think that anybody in that organization or that that's actually playing the game give a fine fuck what you think? No, they're making millions of dollars. Their front office is making good money. Everyone's making good money. Owners are happy. You're the last thing on anybody's thought. And you getting so mad and having this big drawn out fight in a stadium. I know y'all seen videos on that. Like, yeah. I mean, it's become so common now that like there's at least one fight or two fights every NFL game now. They say a lot of it's not getting coverage, obviously, because they don't want to promote that. But like, I mean, you're spending your hard earned money to support your team. Awesome. But nobody cares. Why are you getting so worked up? Who knows? They're there playing a game. There's no reason. There's no logic behind it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I love the Chiefs, but like, I'm, if they lose on, on the next time they play, I'm not going to lose sleep or get mad or whatever, right? Because it doesn't affect my life whether they win the Super Bowl or not. Once again, it's just a distraction. Anything people can distract themselves away from healing and away from dealing with their own fucking insecurities and, and setbacks that they, refuse to acknowledge you know just like going back to that guy with the i need therapy lol then go to therapy boy you are grown you are grown and you need to go to therapy if you know you need to go to therapy i just think with the internet with sports with everything it's a distraction and people would rather bash you for following your dreams than even think about doing that for themselves yeah i don't mean it's just too much too much negativity going on Everywhere, everywhere you look, there's a bunch of negative stuff. What no. do you What do you think about men that are vulnerable? I love it. Cry, cry to me, Daddy. <laughs> I love, it. I love it. Like I want someone who can be vulnerable. I like people who are creatively expressive, whether that's through writing or music or or art in any way. Like I'm very much attracted to people who have a story that others would be ashamed of, but instead they use that for empowerment. And one of the um, kind of final thoughts that I want to leave today is like, when you see people living their life and they're healing, they're helping others, maybe even making money off of that, you can't unsee it. And the best thing that you can do is figure out what your why is and how you can do the same thing, whether that is, podcasts or music or art or modeling or whatever, when you see people living their truth and they're inspiring others, you need to ride that wave for yourself and not be ashamed of the things that brought you here. Because, you know, without me going through the the drug addiction, the sexual trauma, the fucking things I went through, I wouldn't have much to connect with people on. I wouldn't have much depth about me because without those darkness and without those shadows, without those setbacks, you can't appreciate the comeback. And I think so many people get stuck in the setback, but they don't see that that is actually meant to serve as motivation and inspiration for your bigger picture. You know, so many people want to come in this world and leave unscratched. And it's like, baby, you're not getting out alive. No one is. So the worst you can do is sell yourself short. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that is, you want, you want to represent, let people, you're 100% right. Just let people do what they're going to do, especially if they're just imp trying to improve themselves. You know, there's no reason to, oh, you're, you're doing what? Or you go where? Like, okay, cool, man. You, you're doing that? Awesome. 
you know, if you need to talk, whatever, we're still here or whatever, you know, to support, like you said, support them. That's it. Don't bash what they're trying to do or, or whatever it is. Now, if it's something like, you know, they're trying to hurt themselves and, you know, you know, they're going down a spiral, then of course, you know, help your friend or whatever. But if, if they're doing, if they're trying to better themselves, let it be and just, just support them. And that's it. And I think too, if you see somebody doing something that's working for them and maybe, you know, maybe it is like only fans or whatever, and it's not something that you would personally do for yourself, you can still say, I don't support that for me, but I'm going to support that person. And that be completely fine. I think that a lot of people try to um, understand other people by putting themselves in them shoes, put themselves in other people's shoes. And then it almost like, dehumanizes the other person and what their journey is and what they're going through because you've kind of stopped looking at them as a person, but you've started looking at what they're doing or what their brand is instead. Yeah. Like the the whole thing with OnlyFans is more people. There's probably more people that we know that are have one that we just don't know they have it because of the reason of, People thinking like the person that has the OnlyFans, oh, we're going to judge them for having that. I'm going to be like, hey, yeah. man, or hey, make your money. Do what you got to do. Hey, you know, my shoe size is 10 and a half. My shirt size is extra large. Just, you know, dropping those out. You want to buy me something with all the money. You're making, you know? But no, like like you said, just support them. Support your people. Yeah. Uh, that That's it. Well, and like, you know, people want to talk shit on people that do OnlyFans or they know somebody that does OnlyFans, but... They're the same people who have a porn addiction, but they get it for free on Pornhub and they're just watching some like weird shit going on. And, you know, those people also have family members and friends and whoever, but you're okay supporting that content, but just not if it's a little bit too close to home. Yeah, we don't ever want to talk to, we don't ever want to talk about stuff until it comes to our doorstep. Literally in this case. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. So do you want to do a reading for Raul today? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know how long you all wanted to do do the interview, so I wasn't sure. I would love to, though. I'll just pull a a card for you. I know your birthday is 2-2, two, two, right? Uh, 1-2. One, 1-2, two. One, two. okay. I knew it was something like that, okay. You're close. What? Hey, you're really close. I just remember it being like an angel number sequence, and then you kept getting twos in your reading last time. Um, I'm just going to pull a card from this Oracle deck I have here and it says, take a break a life's work, not a season, get off the treadmill. And we've talked about that on the podcast. I feel like this is about that inspiration and not making yourself need to always be doing something just for the sake of doing it, but reserving your energy for what actually inspires you and not trying to race the clock. I love that. Tony, I'm not going to be able to vacuum anymore. I need to save my energy. There you go. See? All right. All right. Tony's card. Yes, 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 yes. Tony's card. 
We've got Anna, the grandmother of Jesus. It says seeding the light, laying foundations and the divine plan. I feel like this is about seeing any obstacles or setbacks that you've had as the divine plan, preparing you for the next level. And in order to integrate and expand into that next level of your life, you have to see the foundation and make sure everything is taken care of before trying to branch into that. It's like getting all your ducks in a row, pretty much. Yeah, getting all your ducks in a row, not rushing the creative process, but just making sure your foundation is stable so that if you do have an obstacle or you do have a setback, it doesn't send you all the way into a spiral. Mm. That you're at that foundation that you can't go any lower than the foundation you've built. So even if there is a setback that knocks you down, you've still got a very strong foundation to fall on. I like that. That you've built. I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying about like past shit or trauma or adversity. I think a lot of people need that because I think it it's like a building block for a lot of shit. Like I think when stuff gets you've had it too easy and then something happens to you, you don't know how to deal with it. And so you recoil. So if you've dealt with shit in the past, it doesn't seem as daunting when something bad happens to you in the future. So true. Does she get a reading too? Jeremiah, you want to, yeah. I read her all the time. Do you want to give a little reading? I'll do it. I actually have, um, I don't know if you guys know, but Paige actually has her own Oracle decks that she like came out with and did. So I actually have that deck like right here. Oh, that's awesome. You just sent me another one. And I like, I got super excited because as soon as we started recording, I got the notification that the other deck that you gave me, um, just arrived yes okay anybody listening who wants to purchase my oracle decks you can find those on my website at contrarycherryco.com i have two oracle decks one is called light as a feather that's the one she's working with and then i have another one called you are the oracle okay and then i know tony's name i'm so sorry i forgot your name Rahul. all right i pulled your card first i got Uh, take a nap, get some rest, and most importantly, stop worrying. I think that you stress out about shit that literally doesn't have any importance in your day-to-day. And I don't think that you rest yourself enough because you're so focused on getting a project done or doing something. But I think that you spin your wheels trying to do things that like don't even matter in the moment. And spending more time... um, doing larger projects instead of trying to spend a little time doing a bunch of little projects at one time is going to end up fulfilling you more in the end. So I need to do little projects more. No, I think she's you need to rest yourself more and focus on the big projects that you have going instead of stressing your, I specifically feel like you try to push out, um, like content or projects a lot and stress yourself out about making sure that you're always doing something, but you have bigger things in the works that you already put your energy into. So it's okay for you to say, no, I don't need to focus on all these little things because putting a bunch of little things out isn't as important as the big things that you're doing. Okay. I got you. That does sound like you. Yeah. Like he, uh, Shut the fuck up. No. Shut the fuck up. It's, I like to call it honest hour. Yeah, go fuck your hour, man. <laughs> you and your fucking dumb. What? Like I always tell him, I'm like, hey, do this right here. Oh, okay, I'll do it. And then nothing ever gets accomplished. Like he's, we're just calling you out. No, it's the truth, though. That's all right. What's Tony's card? Pulling 
Calling you out. That's <laughs> yeah. Call Raul out. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I have um, someone's jealous of your success and outside opinions equal noise. I think that right now, if you're not already feeling it, I think that you're going to start feeling triggered by the opinions of other people on the things that you're doing. So I think that it's really important right now for you to realign what your purpose is and the reason that you're doing things so that you know what your firm foundation and trust in yourself is and other people's judgments and outside opinions don't influence what you do. Um, I specifically feel that with business. I think that you're going to get people's opinions of, I think that you should do it this way, or I'd like to see it being done this way. And that's not you doing it the way somebody else would like it or what somebody else is saying isn't what's true to you. And it's not true to what you've wanted to do the whole time. So just be careful of other people's expectations on what your dreams and the things that you want to manifest are. So be authentic. Be authentic. Yeah. And also, you know, with you having a platform where you share voices or you share what your vulnerabilities are and things, it opens up for people to feel like they have access to your life because you share something. So just make sure that even with your authenticity, that you don't feel that you owe other people changing anything about what you discuss or who you have on or, or anything that you want to do with elevating, um, your business or anything. Um, because I just don't think that that would be anything that benefits you. You would change yourself. I think you guys have hit the nail on the head. I love that. <laughs> We're not twins. Dog. <laughs> I, I know you hate when I, when I do that. So I did it. What are you about to say? Are you going to ask them your questions? There's a question um, I would like to ask both of you. Yeah. Is it a new question? Yeah, I'm going to steal this from uh, Stephen Colbert. Let me get make sure I'm asked the right question. What do you think happens when we die? Oh, I think that you go into this limbo process where you are then evaluating your karmic and soul contract with the universe. I believe that we all have a, a big soul blueprint that we've created for our soul, which is an eternal part of our existence. Our body is the only thing that dies, but our soul is only recreated. I feel like that is where you then hit the button of like, Hey, I'm going to go back and try to fulfill more of this karmic debt. I'm trying to work through this. A lot of people sign up for things that they go through exclusively that are super traumatic in order for their soul to learn and grow. So I think, um, it's a simultaneous thing. I wouldn't say there's like a time frame because time's not real. I think you go into this energy where you're then in front of the, intergalactic federation and the higher beings that are helping you specifically and you reevaluate your blueprint and your contract and then you either agree to go back or you then go to another dimension which could then be labeled as heaven and then i believe that spirits that are in heaven can be pulled at any time to come back to earth if that's a part of their soul contract mm. yep and gemini yeah i believe that same thing um i so I believe, I believe that thing. And I also believe that when, um, when people are stuck in a limbo, I think that that is 
like what people refer to as hell because somebody's energy isn't able to move forward. And so when um, people pass away and I've done a mediumship reading for them, people use the word like crossover. And that's when I believe that they've finished what Paige just said, where they are um, re-evaluating their soul contract and everything that they had, their blueprint, and they've gotten to um, elevate to whatever the next like energy frequency is, call that a heaven or whatever. And I have pulled for people whose loved ones have passed over. I've also pulled for people whose loved ones are in really low vibration. And you can tell that they don't want to process through anything. They don't want to reevaluate anything that happened in life. And so I think that when everybody dies, you get the opportunity to either evolve yourself and do more and, um, you know, come back if you want to for another soul cycle. Some people can call that reincarnation where they'll stay in the same, um, like soul family and you'll stay together or, um, they're just going to stay in like a low vibration until I think, I feel like until they are so miserable of not evolving or processing what they've gone through, that then they reevaluate their soul contract and then get to figure out where they go from there. Because like a lot of people, especially those who inflict pain or use control and power to manipulate and hurt people in this realm, do not want to face the music when they get to that point. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just want to tuck their tail and be like, well, I didn't really do that. Because now you have the Intergalactic Federation that's like, all right, you're going to need to pay for that. So how do you want to pay for it in your next life? Do you want to be poor? Do you want to be disabled? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I'm not saying that poor disabled people did bad things in past lives. I'm just using that as a concrete black or white example of, you know, you have to pay for your sins in some way, shape or form. And that's why like whenever people get upset over like the people in power in this realm right now, I always laugh because I'm like, it's going to be fine. I promise you, if they're letting billions of people starve under their watch, they will pay for that. They may stay in limbo. They may do whatever they got to do to avoid it, but they will eventually pay for that. And I just think that especially those who inflict harm on children or animals, there's a very, very special place for them with the Intergalactic Federation. So I never trip. Like I never feel like I need to tell them or hurt them myself or, or distribute that karma myself. Um, I just believe that, you know, we all answer to everything. Um, people that have went through a lot of traumatic experiences early on in their life, their soul picked the fast paced version of healing. Your soul is like, oh, it's fine. We'll go through all that in one year. And your human self is like, holy fuck, why me? Why this? But really your soul picked all of those experiences. And I believe that like for the first 10 years of my adolescent life, like from 20 to 30 was so much growth so that now at 30, I can use this wisdom and I can use this inspiration to empower others who also signed up for that similar soul path. So I believe the people that attract to me have a very similar soul path as me because now they see me as a guiding light when once I was in the darkness as well.
So I think, you know, we have to have actual literal representations of people rising above that darkness. But I do believe that so many people in this realm are caught up with either judging or serving karma to other people. And I think that's where that term, like only God can judge me. God to me is a universal energy. It's not a one person. It's a universal frequency of creation. Um, I think that for the instance of our human mind, we've needed to construct that down to one person. But like, I don't believe that it's just one energetic force. It's a mass accumulation of a lot of energetic beings and dimensions and frequencies because time is not linear. It's all simultaneously happening at once. So do you think that we as people do not focus enough on our demise or do you think we as people do not enjoy the present time that we're here? Oh, we don't enjoy the present. We're either living in the past or living in the future. We don't even see this moment a lot. And that's why I try to take every moment as um, super divinely guided. Like I said, if something needs to get rescheduled or something runs over or runs short, I see that as divine intervention and protection because there's something that needed to align differently. And when it's when we resist it, it's like when I get my feelings hurt that someone ghosted me, I'm resisting what the universe is trying to show me. The universe is obviously blocking something for a reason, but a lot of people would then get in their feelings, write this person a message like, yeah, you're right. You do need therapy because you fucking suck. Well, then that's pulling my shadow out of me, which is the test that I'm now surpassing because now I'm making light of it and making fun of it. I'm not embodying that as there's something wrong with me, but I'm seeing it as divine intervention, which is a present moment action. You can only see the divine intervention in the present moment. You can see the silver lining later, like when you with hindsight is 2020, but you can only see the divine intervention in the moment that it's happening because you can either resist or you can embrace. And so I try to embrace more than resist because obviously the universe is showing me something like say that person I wanted to hang out with really does have some fucked up mental health issues. Well, if I get romantically involved and have sex with them, I'm going to absorb some of that. I'm going to feel like I need to heal some of that. I'm going to feel like I need to transmute some of that when it's not my job. So a lot of people stay in connections or in connection with their trauma and continue to trauma bond with people over a course of their life because it makes them feel more in control. The one thing about the present moment is you must realize that you're not in control of anything, but the moment and how you feel about the moment is the only thing that can be controlled. What unfolds in the moment cannot be controlled. So as far as like control and letting go, how do you feel about psychedelics? Are you anti or for? Oh, I love them. I absolutely, we talked about ayahuasca last time. I totally want to do that. Um, I'm all for mushrooms, plant medicine, not really into like DMT or things like that, but I do think that mushrooms um, could really erase probably 65% of the mental health issues in this country. Yeah, there, there's so much good research about it. I mean, it's just, it's only a matter of time till it's fully legalized. Like, as, and and I know they're using it as treatment right now, but like, you know, they need to make it more. They need to make it more accessible to more people that want to try it as a treatment instead of giving them, you know, whatever pill or whatever. Well, unfortunately, it's big pharma paying off the politics and paying. I mean, it's because our government has become a for-profit organization. That's the problem. 
That's the problem. They're not ever going to allow things that actually shut down big pharma as long as the people that run big pharma are got their dirty hands in the government. That's the thing is like, we need the separation of church and state. We need the separation of capitalism and our government. But now our government has became a capitalistic entity. Instead of a democracy, we're more leaning towards a dictatorship. Because they're absolutely blocking things that could help the masses because people that have the money to block that are doing so. Yeah, I think it's sad that they aren't using more organic things for people to treat, like you said, trauma or depression or, you know, all these different type of ailments instead of just a pill. Because generally with a pill is going to have a lot more side effects than just taking a plant based medicine would be. One of the side effects could be death. And then, you know, people are taking it still. Well, I I recently, or not recently, but when I was like younger, I was 19, I got into a car wreck. And that's initially how I got addicted to pain pills was because they prescribed me 90 a month for like a year. And at that point, I was 19 years old. You know what I mean? And since they were prescribed to me, I was prescribed four of them a day. Like, yeah. This has been really good. Thank you all so much for coming on. Absolutely. Um, great conversation. Where where can people find you guys? You can find us on all platforms at Lick It Like a Lollipop, the podcast. You can find me at contrarycherryco.com. And my Instagram is made in Kentucky. So it's K-U-N-T-U-C-K-Y. Yeah, and then uh, I'm on Lick It Like a Lollipop podcast, too. Obviously, I have the Coven of Rejects podcast, and then my website is covenofrejects.com, and my Instagram is Gemini underscore goddess 420. All right. Thank Thank you all for having us. Thank you for having us. Amazing. And And I love... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I love connecting with you all because I do feel like there's always just really good conversation. And I love that about you too, is like the dynamic that you both bring is very different. And I love that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. No, hey, uh, we'll have to do it again. Let's say eight months. I'll I'll look at the calendar. We can do it again and see what I'll change in our lives. Thanks for uh, sharing that Instagram post with us. Uh, Yes. uh, Your friend is... Muy bonito. <laughs> Muy bonito. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your friend try to talk her into the only oh, thing. You're talking about the guy. I'm sorry. Oh, no, not the guy. Uh, the try to talk her into the OnlyFans thing or whatever and see if she wants to do it. You could both can make some serious money. I don't know what a manager makes, but hey, it's 10%. Baby girl, just give me 20%. I'm all sitting the Baby, it's baby. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get you to the moon. Let's go. Well, enjoy right, your girl. weekend. And I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.